Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Hey, be a good morning. Do we have a problem, though? Uh, I think you do, and I will go down this path. Um, last night, in a way, Andy, was to be expected. And I know that might sound as an excuse for the Pacers, and I don't want it to. So let me try and explain. Uh, I was stunned when I saw the line was like one and a half. I'm like, what am I missing here? Tyrese Halliburton's questionable. You have Hall of Fame wings coming in. The Pacers can't guard you or me. And, and, and now they've got <laughs> well, Miles Hall- Turner's out. Everything else, yeah. Hall of Fame wings, <laughs> and they've won seven straight. Uh, what? There's no way. Where I do think this can become a bigger problem is this defense. Clearly an issue. Uh, that goes without saying. It's been that way for 20 games a season. Uh, have you seen Tyrese Halliburton in the last four games? Yeah, he hasn't been as good, and I don't know. That left knee injury, was that just you hold him out of the Minnesota game? It's a back-to-back. He's but again, not shooting the basketball well. He's not turning it over. I know. If you I know. look at his last four, three of those four would be pre-injury. And it's not me coming out here and being like, well, you know, Halliburton, whatever. He's, he's not the top five player he was early in the season. It's more of... It's mid-December, and now the scouting report is out there. That is the head of the snake, and it is by far the guy that you have to take away. And uh, if you look at it, whether it's his shooting numbers, whether it's his assist numbers, whether it's his turnover numbers, it's all of that. Uh, It's been really, really down. So that's where I think the concern is obviously there. Four straight losses for the Pacers. In each of those four, they've been down at least 20. So they've been outclassed in all four of these games. Rick Carlisle going to join us here in less than an hour, so plenty of questions to throw his I'm way kinda, on this I'm kind of nervous. Morning. I'm kind of nervous having Coach on at 8 o'clock here. I mean, it's the first time we're having him on where he's not going to be happy. A uh, first technical... <laughs> first I'll have my finger on the dump button. <laughs> he's not going to be happy this time. I mean, they've lost games, but, I mean, they are reeling right now, and after the game, he's openly talking about, you know, the best players on the team, not, play, not paying attention to detail, talking about lineup changes, talking about style changes, talking about them still not understanding how it is to play defensively, and just a number, their last four, they've lost by almost 18 points, KB. They've lost by 17 and a half the last four games. Uh, I'm worried. Last night wasn't surprising, uh, but you let those guys come in here, and all three of them, Paul George, Harden in the fourth quarter, and Kawhi Leonard shooting everything from 12 feet away, you let them get to their spot and do whatever the hell they wanted. That was worrisome last night. Just how they've been blown out the last few games. Uh, Rick gets his first technical of the season last night in game 25 you know he mentioned this afterwards and obviously something we'll ask him about uh lineup changes and honestly the there's one obvious one for me with a lineup change I don't know where else you would go to me the obvious one is Aaron Smith in the starting lineup that seems to be the one that you know he has played consistently the the best for you certainly on the other end of the floor where you have the biggest issues I would guess that comes at the expense of Obi Toppin uh, I don't know. Bruce Brown, to me, uh, has not lived up to the $20 million price tag that Agreed. he's making. Buddy Heald uh, is in a shooting slump, uh, all, albeit he did hit a couple ones early last night. Uh, and, and something else that really stood out to me last night that was so shocking. I'm used to the Pacers being a great passing team. 
you know, guys are in the right spots and there's this kind of beautiful flow to it all. And boy, I can't tell you how many times there had to be at least four, maybe even five times where they just flat out threw the ball out of bounds. And you're Bruce Brown and I'm Tyrese Halliburton and you're looking at me cross-eyed and I'm looking at you cross-eyed. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, again, this is game 25. This is the best offense in the NBA. And they clearly were not on the same page whatsoever. Uh, Wednesday, tomorrow night is the ultimate slump buster against the LaMelo Ballless. Uh, <laughs> that didn't sound great. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets. So uh, we'll see if the Pacers can get back on track. But 13-12. and 12, and a hovering around 500, which is obviously not something we've said in a long time. Doesn't the Hornets concern you, though, given how they played against the Wizards they and other teams? They really oh, banged yeah. up, though. I you mean, just yeah, can't take yes, anything for granted right now. Charlotte yeah. is really, really now, banged now, up. Now, when you said, I'm I'm Brown and you're Halliburton, is that what she said? I like well, that. You meant, no, you, it's okay. We can flip who's, it. Who's yeah, Mark Dyke did over there? Who, who is he going to be? He's Dan I'll be T.J. McConnell. <laughs> can I be the... Yeah, yes, you, you can be T.J. McConnell. By the level. He McConnell, he wore his sister's... Duquesne jersey into the game. I saw that. How about that? That was a nice Seemed like McConnell and Neesmith, the only two Rick Carlisle's particularly happy with uh, after last night. I guess Benedict Matherin did have a career high, but still, when it comes in a result like that, you can't celebrate it too, too much. So again, Rick Carlisle at 8, as Andy said, Thad Mata at 9. It's the Big East opener for the Bulldogs tonight. We'll give away a four-pack of tickets. It's a 6.30 tip. Them and Indiana both at 6.30 tonight. Indiana has got more head state. This is the Christmas week of just get to freaking Christmas. Like don't 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 screw up your season. Don't screw it up. Right. Win Do by one point up. tonight. I think I like more head state plus the eight and a half. I think I saw that. I think I saw that number. Is it really that this low? I, I thought I it saw is. it at like at eleven. Maybe or so. it's six and a half. I, no, Butler's eleven and a half tonight. Butler's favored uh, over. Um, oh goodness, the coach of everyone, Georgetown. Ed Cooley. Yes, uh, Ed Cooley and Georgetown, and then now, their schedule Purdue really picks up. Morehead State, right earlier this year. Yeah, well, that's Purdue. Yeah, they're oh, the sure. overall. They're the overall number sure. one seed in the NCAA tournament. You know what I what I found interesting. From the last game with Minnesota and the game last night, and we'll play a bunch coming up today, uh, check down and everything else, Rick Carlisle sound, Tyrese Halliburton sound, Benedict Matherin, and like you said, Rick Carlisle going to join us at 8 o'clock here on The Fan. For me, KB, you know, I even said this yesterday, but there was so much Colts reaction, and obviously we understood that Colts, big weekend of college basketball and everything else. That after the Minnesota game, because of flight issues and because of a 10-day road trip and because of the emotion of the in-season tournament, you know, playing the game against the Lakers that counts but also doesn't count. By the way, I'm asking you guys, I'm just asking everybody, when we when we talk about the last like five, six games, how do we include the Lakers game in any of the analysis? Because I know it doesn't count towards the record, but it would have also been nice to win that and maybe play better in that game. Regardless, you know, because Halliburton didn't play, they were banged up. I, I, I think, you know, Carlisle, at least I felt it, after the Minnesota game, you know, he 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 was playing good cop with them. Uh, we're tired. You know, the last 24 hours has been hell. Uh, we didn't have guys. We're banged up, yada, yada. Minnesota, you're on the road. It's a back-to-back. Minnesota's a really good team, obviously. Michael Grady will join us later parts of the 9 o'clock hour today. And, and, and 
they repaid him by that performance last night. Does that make sense? Like, well, he backed them after that crap Minnesota game, and then they go out there, and I mean, come on, the last, the second half, I mean, there wasn't too much time in the second half, KB, where you thought they were going to win. You sure didn't feel that way in the fourth quarter. I mean, down double digits for just large parts of this game. I thought Carlisle played good cop after the Minnesota game, and I thought last night he played bad cop. He played, hey, there's going to be some tough love here, and we need to look at everything we're doing from lineups to pace to calling out some of the better players, and that's not where, I mean, this team was 13-8 and eight at one point, and we felt really good about this team, and since that moment, we haven't felt good about this team the last couple weeks. It's just the way it is. You know, I think... I can acknowledge a 14-day road trip or whatever the official number was. You went two weeks in between your home games. So I guess it wasn't a full 14 days on the road, but um, that that's rare in today's NBA. Insert the Jim Irsay clip of that is rare air. But at the same time, my expectation can be within that you shouldn't be run off the floor in four straight games. Right. And, and that's what's happened. They've yeah. been run no. off the floor. They've lost by 18 points a game. In four straight yep. games. Now, three of the four teams, I think, in that stretch are pretty – Good opponents. I, I think that goes without saying. If you want to go back to Milwaukee last Wednesday, obviously Minnesota on Saturday, then last night with the Clippers. But again, this Pacers team has not only hung with those teams this season, they've beat those teams this season on a rather routine basis. And then again, Friday night against the Wizards, uh, just totally uh, embarrassing effort. So uh, certainly this is the, and as I said it on yesterday's show, this is a look in the mirror week. I thought last night would be the most difficult of the four games you would play. Uh, And that includes the back-to-back coming up on Thursday with Memphis and what I believe is John Morant's home debut uh, coming up on Thursday. Memphis has been really poor without him this season. Again, it'll be Charlotte on Wednesday, uh, the back-to-back in Memphis Thursday, and then Orlando coming up on Saturday. Charlotte's lost five straight. They've lost seven of eight. And banged up. Again, LaMelo Ball, uh, P.J. Washington. I know Gordon Hayward's been out, I think, due to illness. Mark Williams has been banged up. You would like to think that that one would go the Pacers' way, but I totally understand why fans would have skepticism with that. Uh, the other news item of note here, early in the morning, of course, uh, but some reports out of Atlanta that it will be Taylor Heineke under center against the Colts coming up on Sunday afternoon, the benching of Desmond Ritter. This Again. is his second benching, yeah. right, of Again. the season? Yeah, it is. Uh, for those that did watch the Carolina game, first off, why the hell did you do that? Second off, uh, you would have seen a awful Desmond Ritter turnover late in that game when they really could have semi-iced it away or certainly forced Carolina to score a touchdown there late. Uh, Ritter's had 16 turnovers on the year, Andy, third most in the NFL. He's had six in the red zone. Uh, if you watched Arthur Smith post game. If you watched him yesterday, he was beyond noncommittal to his plans at quarterback. That gave you every indication it would probably go to Taylor Heineke. So Atlanta is in a gotta-win-out-and-pray-for-hope here playoff-wise. And obviously Colts fans probably have a little Taylor Heineke PTSD from what he did in your stadium last year with the Commanders. Uh, That was a very high-percentage day for Heineke, which has not been his M.O., certainly not been his M.O. with Atlanta this year. Uh, extended some plays on that game-winning touchdown drive when Terry McLaurin made that catch over Stephon Gilmore. So it looks like it's going to be Taylor Heineke (laughs) 
under you, center. You would rather play Desmond Ritter, right? I mean, I mean, still, I, I don't care about last year. I understand why fans do. You would rather play Desmond Ritter, even though he's a little bit more mobile. I mean, that guy's not a start, starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, Heineke's well, not. Heineke, to be fair. Heine, yeah, Heineke's not, but you thought maybe he can give you a little jolt of energy. It reminds me maybe even, even uh, of what we thought Minshew was going to be. Perhaps Ryan Fitzpatrick at parts of his career, he'd have a few games. you think, okay, we got something here. And then, you know, water would come back to level. He'd beat t- Taylor Heineke again. You know, maybe it's arrogance and, you know, the Colts have earned us to feel confident about them to a certain extent. I, I just, I don't care who the who the Falcons put that back there at quarterback almost. You know, uh, like part of me says, that's fine. If you want Desmond Ritter, if you want Taylor Heineke, whatever it may be, if I'm the Indianapolis Colts and I'm that front seven and I'm that defensive line trying to get to the quarterback, I'll take either one of them down. In fact, you could even make the argument, you know, Ritter can get out and move a little bit. That maybe against a pass rush, he can at least uh, he can at least elude and avoid. Although he can't throw the football, you know Heineke, a better thrower, he's not going to be able to avoid. I just don't know how much it moves the needle for me at all. Uh, Taylor Heineke, where did he go to college? Oh gosh, it was Ooh. somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere. Right? It's just somewhere completely random. Old Dominion. Yeah, I was going to guess Coastal Carolina. <laughs> Old I mean, Dominion. It was somewhere in that area. How, so, about, I mean, how, he... how about Old Dominion blowing that one to the Fighting Jack Doyles yesterday? Oh, did that happen? I did not see that. Uh, was it twenty-eight nothing at one point in the bowl game? I think it was. Who they play? Western Kentucky. Taylor Heineke. I, I actually think he can move a little bit. Yeah, I mean Ritter, yeah, Ritter, right. Ritter can move uh, certainly a little bit more. But yeah, both of them are bad. And honestly, I'd rather watch Bijan Robinson just wildcat it all game long. <laughs> and maybe Falcons fans would rather see that. Uh, uh, some big Colts news to get to from a suspension front on the other side of it. That would be Demonte Casey suspended for the rest of the season. We had a Colts coach chime in on that. I know that made some headlines it's yesterday. Uh, so we will share our thoughts on that. It does sound like early in the week, some optimism with Zach Moss and potentially even Jonathan Taylor returning to the lineup. Again, off day for the Colts today. Walk through tomorrow. Their first practice of the week will come on Thursday. Rick Carlisle, 8 o'clock. Thad Mata, 9. Hoping to get uh, Michael Grady uh, on the line coming up here to round out the show. Thank you for spending this chilly Tuesday morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. All right, your morning check down. Reminder, Rick Carlisle going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Thad Mata coming up at 9 o'clock. Let's start last night in Cambridge. Not good. 151-127. The Clippers, 151 KB. That's the fourth most all-time in franchise history, really, from the second order, uh, second quarter on just dominating the Pacers. Rick Carlisle, post-game on the loss. Tonight was ugly. It's just something that's not acceptable. You know, I don't care how talented they are or anything else, we just allowed them to really do whatever they wanted to. You know, I got to take responsibility for not having these guys ready to play. I got mean, it comes down to that. And we got to fix it. So we're going to practice tomorrow. We're going to tape up and we're going to go. We're going to go hard and we're going to get back in the gym and compete. We haven't had a tape practice in, I really can't remember the last time. And we, we desperately need it. Yeah, talking about practice and then something we mentioned in segment number one, KB. I imagine we're going to be talking about this uh, as we go the next several days. Lineup changes, style of play changes. Here's Carlisle postgame again. We got a huge target on our back because of, you know, winning some games in the in the tournament. So, you know, the Pacers aren't sneaking up on anybody. 
but our, our mindset, if it's shifted to just to just simply trying to outscore teams and, and away from any kind of emphasis defensively, you know, that's that's got to stop. And if it means massive lineup changes, then that's what that's what will happen. If it means playing a slowdown game, that's what will happen. At some point, there, there aren't any excuses. Go back to something I said earlier. You know, Tyrese Halliburton has really struggled in the last four. Andy, last night, three of 12, eight points, 11 assists, four turnovers. You know, that's a high number for him. We talk about it so often with him. You just pencil men for 50 or 60 when you combine the points and the assists. Uh, last night combined for around 30-ish in that. Uh, his last four games, the point totals, 14, 22, 19, and 8, well below kind of the season average the turnover numbers, 7, 3, 4, and 4, and he's just 7 of 21 from 3. So clearly the head of the snake and the attention that he's getting from opposing teams starting to rise, and Tyrese Halliburton has not been his normal self here as of late. Those, those turnover numbers are wild. Yeah, those probably are so the, good at that. That's the, the thing. Three things, yeah, the point totals, agree. the shooting percentage, it's the turnover numbers that are probably the most alarming when you look at Halliburton's recent run here. Again, four-game losing streak, uh, 7 o'clock on Wednesday. That's tomorrow night. It'll be the Hornets, and Rick Carlisle joins us here in about 40 minutes. All right, last night, Monday night football, the magic of Drew Locke. <laughs> uh, it was quite the gamesmanship by the Seattle Seahawks as to who would start. It was deemed that, what, the field conditions would not allow Geno Smith to play given his injury. So it was Drew Locke, and he leads a 92-yard touchdown drive for the win over the Eagles. It was a third and ten. That was a great ball he threw to Jackson Smith and Jigba for the game-winning touchdown on a third and ten, 29-yard touchdown with 33 seconds left. So now the Seahawks continue to try and strengthen their wild-card chances. And with that loss, the Cowboys are now back atop the NFC East, meaning they would get a home game in round one, and the Eagles would be on the road here in the wild card round of the playoffs. They were sleepwalking their way through that game. The Eagles were yesterday. I know Jalen Hurts wasn't feeling well, but the whole time you're just kind of like, the Eagles aren't really doing anything, but they're doing just enough to keep the Seahawks away and then obviously bit them at the end. Jalen Hurts has not had a good year. Like, and I like Jalen Hurts. Do not get me wrong. This is not me hating on the Eagles. I love the fact that they've lost, what, three in a row. Now they get the Giants twice, so they're going to get a couple wins uh, down the stretch. And I still think they'll end up winning the East, and I still think they'll be fine. But their defensive backfield is not great. Their defense as a whole, I feel like, has taken a little bit of a step back. And, I mean, I think the last couple years with the Eagles, especially last year, KB, they were able to bully teams. And I said this to you off air as we were getting ready to start the checkdown. I think they miss their assistant coaches. I mean, they lost Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, to the Arizona Cardinals to be their head coach. And Shane Steichen. I mean, we see how good of a coach Shane Steichen is. We see what he's doing offensively with Tyler Goodson and Zach Moss and Gardner Minshew in a rotating offensive line. And, you know, Michael Pittman, the only alpha dog wide receiver that he has. We see what he's doing without a tight end. I mean, come on. Shane Steichen's going to have his team... You know, sitting there, playoff time. I I think it's a huge deal. 19 touchdowns, 12 uh, interceptions for Jalen Hurts. He had to run too much. I don't know. He's just taking a lot of hits. He's getting up very slowly. Every time he he goes down, KB, he gets up and it feels like he's, you know, the weight of the world's on him. And they're they're just not the team they've been. Now, can they get it? That's the question. They'll win at least two out of their next three, but... 
Uh, I, you know, I mean, I'm saying this about a 12-win team, probably a 12-5 and football team, but I thought they were going to the Super Bowl, and right now, I mean, they're, they're, they're making me second-guess that. They really are. 28 snaps for Oof. Shaquille Leonard last night, four tackles, nothing really of note there from a substance no. standpoint. Frank Wright going to get a Philly phone yeah. number <laughs> call? <laughs> I saw Marcus Brady's on their staff, former Colts offensive coordinator. Uh, tonight, from a college basketball standpoint, Indiana and Butler both back in action. By the way, Purdue up to number one in the land. No surprise there after what they did to Arizona. So for Indiana, it's a 630 tip in Bloomington. Moorhead State. Moorhead State actually seems to be like a semi-decent mid-major team if you look at their record. Granted, I, I had to laugh at their schedule Moorhead State has games sandwiched around Indiana against St. Mary of the Woods <laughs> College. And then later this week, uh, they've got a big test with Alice Lloyd College. I mean, Alice Lloyd sounds like uh, a cute girl you tried to, you know, pick up in Broad Ripple or something. Alice back Lloyd in the day, sounds KB. like she goes to St. Mary's. <laughs> yeah, it really does. They play Where's a really Alice you know, Lloyd at. They play a really stingy two three zone, the Bayheim disciple there coaching Alice Lloyd. Poor St. Mary's of the Woods College doesn't even have an emblem on ESPN.com. They just have the empty gray emblem. That's all they have. More what this, are they? Is this near your neck of the woods? <laughs> it says Alice Lloyd College is Pippa Passes, Kentucky. I don't know where that is. I have no idea. I, I have no Sounds idea like where, where that's Bucky's at. Bucky's is. No, Bucky's you can see from 10 miles away. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I think that's why, because there's nothing around Alice Lloyd College. That's why you can see the Bucky's. What if it was like a rager place to go, like Alice Lloyd College? Is that there are just parties there every single night. It was actually the place to go, and we're making fun of it on FM radio. Uh, go in the hollers and <laughs> drink some moonshine. Whatever you want. Double-digit favorite tonight against Georgetown. When Thad Mata joins us coming up at 9, you know, they were outclassed so often last year in the Big East. It was beyond alarming. I want to say 20. 12 of their 14 losses in the Big East by double digits. Uh, I think eight of them by at least 20. Just you know, crazy numbers for Butler last season. Again, really good non-conference going 9-2. and two. Uh, If there is probably an easy home game in the Big East, Georgetown would certainly qualify on that list there. Uh, so uh, Butler, Georgetown tonight. Again, that is also at 630 over at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Yeah, give me one more swoosh. For me, Jalen Lucas visiting Louisville down the road. Uh, former Indiana running back, kind of, you know, scat back and do a little bit of everything. Uh, I think he commits there, quite frankly, KB. So I think, you know, I think you may be losing, if you're Indiana, you might be losing Jalen Lucas to Jeff Brom just down the road. I saw that today. He was taking pictures in front of, you know, Bugattis and, you know, fancy cars and Corvettes and everything else. So he might be going to about an hour and a half down the road. That's what it looks like. He was a good player for Indiana last year. Good Seems player. Like Indiana has gotten a lot of transfer portal action receiver-wise here, so maybe that is you know, part of the reason why uh, they feel like Jalen Lucas will be going in a different direction. Last note, again, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. It sounds like it's going to be Taylor Heineke under center for the Atlanta Falcons coming up this Sunday. Desmond Ritter benched for a second time this season. Certainly Heineke. Had a nice game against the Colts last year. He has been pretty poor, though, with Atlanta this season. Just over 50% as a passer, 0-2 in his couple of starts for the Falcons. Uh, Last I saw, Colts favored, what was it, by two early in the week? Yeah, let me look. I think it was one and a half yesterday, was it not? I just can't remember off the top of my head. i got to be honest. I just can't remember. Yeah, Colts favored by two over under a 44 for that matchup. I think that's a fair number. I mean, you you're look giving... at Atlanta, they have lost to bad team. They've won two games in the last two months. That would be the Saints and the Jets. 
And if you look at their losses in that stretch, just tons and tons of one-score losses. I mean, all over the board. And sm- I mean, we're talking two and three point uh, one-score well, losses they've there. Lo- they've lost all the these Falcons. games the way the, the, the Atlanta Falcons lose games. In heartbreaking fashion, right? That's what they did against Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago. And then, I mean, it was just a stinker against Carolina. That wasn't a heartbreaker, but it was an absolute stinker. Uh, So, yeah, right now ESPN's matchup predictor gives the Colts 52% chance of winning on Sunday. 52% chance at line right now at 2.5, the over-under at 44.5. All right, on the other side, a big news from the NFL yesterday in regards to the man that hit Michael Pittman Jr., Uh, in that game against the Steelers on Saturday. We'll share that news and some people internally for the Colts, I think, had mixed reactions to hearing that. We'll explain more coming up on the other side. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for spending it with us. I ask you guys... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Besides us, sports ra- very hardworking sports radio gas bags here in the morning. Does anyone get anything accomplished at work this week? Besides, like, you know, like Shane Steichen will. He's watched film for 93 straight hours. And poor uh, Rick Carlisle, you know, they'll be practicing hard today. But, like, the normal guy working, the normal man or woman. I mean, you're packing it in, right? Like These, next, schools- two, these next two weeks are complete yeah. crash. Like, well, no one's doing anything. Aren't, only- aren't schools out, like, today or something like that? We go through the end of the week Oh, do you? Here. Wow. Uh, the only thing I would assume is, you know, if this is the end of your quarter. You know, if, that could if, be if it. your fiscal is the end sure. of this year, uh, you're going to want to get ahead of things and... <laughs> Certainly don't want to be grinding on, what, December 29th, December well, 30th? It's funny that you say that. We're closing on our house in southern Indiana on the 29th, and they're like, no, we're getting you in that day. We will because oh, <laughs> yeah. they want it by done. All costs. Yeah, by yeah. all costs. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in our office, and we're going to sign these damn papers uh, one we'll way. Be here until 11.58 yeah, it, p.m. It doesn't we matter. To. We will be here after 4 o'clock. You better believe it. Uh, Rick Carlisle going to join us 8 o'clock. Thad Mata, Butler Basketball in Action tonight at 6.30, and we have another family four-pack to give away around him in the 9 o'clock hour, correct? Yes, we do. Good. Uh, we get four-pack tonight to Butler and Georgetown at Hinkle, so we'll throw a trivia question your way right around that Thad Mata segment uh, coming up. Back to the Pacers here in just a few minutes, but I saw you tweet this. I would not have seen this. Uh, a tweet from Mike Mitchell. So set this up, KB. I'm yeah, interested uh-huh. your reaction and Colts fans' reaction. This stems from the hit that went to Michael Pittman, the suspension, and all that drama that went down yesterday. Yeah, so for those unfamiliar with who Mike Mitchell is, he is the assistant DB's coach for the Colts. Uh, he actually is a former Colt himself. I want to say it was 2019, 2018, somewhere around there. Uh, Mitchell was signed. A 10-year veteran in the NFL. He is old school. I mean, he is old school playing style. He is a he was a physical, mm-hmm. physical safety. Uh, it's funny, Jeff Saturday actually brought his name up a couple days ago uh, when he's been making the ESPN rounds and he just brought up, you know, h- h- how Mitchell is wired in a very old school manner. Um, so I think that's important context when you think about how the game has changed. Oh, he's really? A, he's a crazy defensive over, back. Over the course of Mike Mitchell's career, yeah. oh, it, sure. it, it, it changed a whole lot there. So, and Mitchell is a former Steeler, for what it's worth as well. Um, but he tweeted out yesterday 
just after the news, and again, for those that missed it, DeMonte Casey, the Pittsburgh defender, uh, safety I should say, uh, suspended for the rest of the season without pay. Um, I guess before I share the Mitchell tweet, to me, Andy, the Casey suspension for the rest of the season without pay, which is very notable, uh, that is... I would say 80 to 90% of the reasoning behind such a substantial suspension is repeat offender. I think if Julian Blackman has that same exact hit on Drake London on Sunday, he's probably ejected, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you get the full suspension for the rest of the year. For those unfamiliar with Casey's history, totally understand, uh, he was ejected from a game a handful of years ago for hitting Cam Newton on a very think quarterback slide, take a shot at his head sort of play. Uh, He's already been fined five times this season. Fined five times for unnecessary roughness penalties this season. Before Sunday, or before Saturday. So, again, we see this in the NBA with Draymond Green right now. Repeat offenders are going to be you know punished harder, which I totally get. So, um... The hit was vicious, undoubtedly. But again, if I think that, you know, if that's Rodney Thomas or Julian Blackman, I don't think you would get the same sort of level of suspension. But Mike Mitchell tweeted this, Andy, yesterday just after the news. He goes, I don't know what to tell my safeties anymore. I guess just let them catch it. If I were a wideout, I would dive for every catch. That would ensure no contact and a completed pass. Playing deep safety in today's NFL where rules are made mostly by people who've never Played is tough. Uh, Mike Mitchell tweeted that. Uh, it quickly <laughs> got a lot of people from Colts land being like, dude, why are you tweeting that when one of your own players was hit uh, in that manner, ejected right. from the game? Your star or, wide receiver. Me, knocked yeah. out of the game, I should say. In concussion protocol, et cetera, et cetera. Mitchell, of course, a few minutes later, tweeted how much he loves Michael Pittman and meant nothing uh, with that. Um, I've got two cents on the Mike, uh, on the Mike Mitchell comment. Your thoughts, though. Uh, okay, so I actually, you know, I think there's two things here. And by the way, Tom Brady even responded. Did you see that yesterday? And he kind of agreed oh, a little oh, bit no. with Mitchell, he, here, right? Let me, let me read what Tom Brady put out on his Instagram. And J.J. Watt agreed and other NFL players. Tom Brady put out yesterday, uh, nobody likes seeing players get hurt, but hard hits happen. Quarterbacks should not be throwing the ball in areas where they are exposing their own teammates to these types of hits. Coaches need to coach better. Quarterbacks need to read coverages and throw the ball to the right places. And defenders should aim for the right hitting areas. To put the blame on the defensive player all the time is just flat out wrong. Need better quarterback play. It's not okay, quarterbacks, to get your wide receivers hit because of your bad decisions. There's a lot to unpack here. Here's what I would say. I tend to understand. Man, Brady at least, wasn't messing around. No, though. at least, well, you know what's happening here. I mean, next year he's going into the booth. I mean, Tom Brady is going weekly. Tom Brady is going to say something on some platform uh, when he takes over there. It's, it's at Fox, right? I mean, he's uh-huh. going yes. to be making news on a consistent basis, and he better. He's probably going to get 20 mil a year to do it. I, listen, I understand and am sympathetic to defensive players 
to a certain extent. I do believe we put the onus completely on the defensive player that they are the only one that has something to lose in this transaction. Okay, I don't put anything on Michael Pittman diving, and you can put it on Gardner Minshew. I mean, you could see on Sunday, I was watching on TV, you were there, KB, you could see that play. I mean, where you're sitting in the press box, you saw that play. I mean, you're watching it on TV, you could see that this collision was about to happen. I just, I, it's 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 in poor taste that Mike Mitchell said that, to put that on Twitter. I, I'm sorry, it, it, it is. I mean, he's right. I'm not saying he's totally wrong. It's not about being right or wrong. But, I mean, Pittman was lit up to the fact of when he gets hit, they were skating the crowd. Like, people were, like, saying a prayer for Michael Pittman. And him being on your team is a big deal, man. Him being on your team Sunday against the Falcons is a big deal. And him being right, I mean, I don't know where else they would even go. I mean, they brought in DJ Washington, right? DJ Montgomery. Montgomery. Who's DJ Washington? <laughs> Sounds like a former Memphis point guard. DJ Washington. But you know, you know what I'm saying, right? I can be sympathetic towards defenders. The onus has been put on them. You guys have to change. Uh, you know, the way that you're playing much more so than the wide receiver or the quarterback. I get that, but to me, it's not about being right or wrong with Mitchell. It's about reading the room uh, when one of your best players, perhaps your best player, just gets his head taken off, right? Yeah, uh, you know, Twitter 101 probably would have said he should have thrown in a Pittman caveat on the original tweets. Outside of that, I really got no issue with it. And, you know, part of this, Andy, is I want people to be honest. I want candor. I want you to not. I don't want Shane Steichen in front of a podium. Sure, I, I, I well, want you got honesty. that yesterday. I you want detail, it. and Mike Mitchell is providing that. And and ultimately, I think again he comes. I wanted to provide the context before we got into this because Mike Mitchell is a the most unique cat on that coaching staff. He is old school through and through. The physicality that he brought to the game. So I thought it was important to provide that because I honestly think, and I could be wrong. Maybe Shane Steichen views it in a different light. I think Shane will look at Mike Mitchell and be like, dude, you are crazy, but you're one of us. Like, we love your craziness. But he's in the majority. Mitchell's in the majority. The The majority of people watching football agree with, with Mike Mitchell. Do they not? I think I, I think I, they do. That's a good question. I, I, I know I am one of them that is of the opinion it's impossible to play defense uh, and know what is allowed and what's not. And honestly, I think the hardest part is just that millisecond of when things change. And so much of this happens, particularly with quarterbacks, when quarterbacks do slide or they dive head first, and all of a sudden that target area changes in a millisecond. And Michael Pittman, a gifted mm-hmm. athlete at 6'4 and 230, and all of a sudden he's diving. And to be fair, the KZ play is not a great example because I thought in the NFL did a nice job of this uh, in their explanation yesterday on the news, they mentioned that he was obs- unobstructed to Michael Pittman. It's not like, you know, there was a defender in between the two or it was a crowded kind of, you know, pile and all of a sudden you come in and you think the strike point is somewhere else. So, again, it doesn't apply necessarily to the KZ play, but I think there are other plays you see I agree with throughout you. the course of an yeah, NFL week I agree. that it is very difficult yeah. for a safety or a defensive back to make a play like this. So, um, I think Colts fans' reactions were understandable. They want to defend their own in Michael Pittman Jr. They obviously watched the play, and you just laid out how ugly of a picture it was. Honestly, probably some of Mike Pitch- Mike Mitchell feeling comfortable this is probably a good indicator of where Michael Pittman is health-wise right now. I mean, they continue to say it's a good positive things about him and his spirits, et cetera, et cetera. And 
you know, I asked EJ Speed that question, and and I don't know, maybe that's a maybe that's a clip we can play a little bit later in the show. EJ Speed kind of had a Mike Mitchell reaction to it. Of there is that fine balance of as a defensive player, it is extremely difficult to try and bring a physical hit to a play where you want to try and jar the ball ball loose, but also doing it without hitting that player in whatever, the neck and up area. I know the KZ play is probably not the best picture of it, but I'm talking about other plays that we see week in and week out. So I'd like to think there's a lot of maturity within that Colts building that Mike Mitchell's comments will not be treated kind of in a seventh grade way because, again, Mitchell to me is just one of the more unique individuals as a player and as a coach that they have. Uh, but, you know, who knows? I guess we'll find out that at the end of the year if Mike Mitchell's brought back or not. Listen, I hate to just dole out blame, and that's what we're doing. I, I agree with just about everything you said. You know, Tom Brady's saying blame Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> A little bit um, on this transaction. Like, he made that throw to where Pittman had to lay out. And because he missed just by a little bit, now instead of Pittman being upright and, t- and absorbing a hit, he was going to get hit. So, let's Peyton, just, so, let's just be. so Peyton Manning should be ripped for Austin Collie's <laughs> hits. Like I, I mean, well, like, that's, it, what Bra- that's what Brady's saying. I hey, know. The wasn't precise in his pass. I mean, there are certainly times in a game where quarterback has an off-target throw. I mean, I guess you could point to that one on Saturday, and that exposes his pass catcher to a big hit. Um, but again, I mean, for a quarterback, I mean, I, that's, listen, I know. That's, it, it's, I, when you have world-class athletes like this that move as fast as they can and the chaos that ensues, there's just an element, Andy, that you can't legislate everything. And the NFL, the NFL's trying and the people they're legislating is like 99% defenders. That's just what's happening. So easy for me to say, sitting right here, there's an element of like the dotted line is right there and you kind of know what you're signing up for. Like that, that's, that's. That's kind of where I'm at with this. And yes, you can go to every little degree that you'd want to and trying to legislate it as much as you can. And, you know, whether it's at a younger age, you institute flag football earlier, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all of these things are probably much for a bigger offseason topic. But I think the moral of this is I don't think Mike Mitchell had any ill will towards Michael Pittman. I understand how it comes off mm-hmm. when you see that tweet. Uh, but this is a dude that is was a crazy NFL football player uh, and would be viewed very crazy when you look at the 2023 nature to it all. I think it's very hard for a defender uh, to play defense in a physical manner in today's league. And at the same time, DeMonte Casey's past history in the league to me as a repeat offender is why the suspension is the length that it is. I, I don't, again, if it's Julian Blackman, if it's Rodney Thomas, the second, I don't think you see the same length of it. Casey's been fined. Five times this yeah. year. No, no, you're spot on. No, it's repeat offender. from a game. Yeah, this is not know, a one-time thing for him. No, the NFL has seen that. The last thing I would say before we dive back into, you know, kind of the debacle we saw last night in Gamebridge is I, what, what kills me about this discussion is now the offensive players know it's like pass interference, that it's so easy to bait an official Every time we have even a remotely hard hit, the entire sideline and everyone is crying 
for a flag. And so I always love, like, Pat Mahomes, if he's running to the sideline, KB, and he gets hit right, you know, right on right on the sideline where, where it could be a flag and we understand how so much of the time it turns into that, all the defensive players are also begging for that flag. So while, while you know what I'm saying? So while they are affected by it, whenever their quarterback or wide receiver is hit, they want that to be a flag and it becomes everyone yelling and screaming at the refs every time there is a somewhat hard hit in the NFL. That that's that's what I hate and they've done it with pass interference to where they they they've honored they've uh, you know where the where the NFL looks they smile when guys are begging for a penalty flag every single play. I don't know. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I, I just see it. Every single game, a guy gets hit, and everyone's looking to the ref, and they're running up to the ref and everything else. And I can understand why it's, you know, I can understand why defenders are frustrated by it. I can understand. Mike Tomlin said something after the game. They asked him about the ejection, and he, and he said, he goes, oh, that came from New York. I thought that was an interesting comment by Tomlin. I didn't know if that was in reference to Casey's past history, um, or did or, they? Uh, or, or, did they yeah. or did he really feel like that it shouldn't have been an ejection? Did they buzz he down? Stayed yeah, in the game. There. It's a good question. Uh, you know, I remember when Vontez Perfect hit Jack Doyle a few oh, years goodness. ago, and obviously his past history was yeah. well, well documented, uh, and he got tossed from the game. That was a miracle. Doyle was wasn't hurt more there. So. Again, Demonte Casey suspended for the rest of the season without pay. That's about two hundred thousand bucks. That he, yeah. Is I mean, if they go to the playoffs, he's suspended there. there too. So uh, they're decimated. The the you know playoffs to me, for the Steelers. Uh, yeah, to me, the Colts put the Steelers out of their misery on Sunday. And if they didn't losing to what Arizona, they're going they to Rudolph now, right? To? Yeah, they're going to Mason Rudolph. Best time of year to go to Rudolph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have fun have fun with that one. Uh, one quick thing. Again, Rick Carlisle going to join us here coming up in about 10 minutes. Pacers losers last night, 151-127. During the checkdown, KB, I said, you know, for the Clippers, uh, they won every quarter. They didn't win the first quarter. Big three there at the end of the first quarter uh, gave the Pacers a one-point lead. But second, third, and fourth, they dominated the rest of that game. What, 18 straight in the fourth quarter? James Harden just absolutely ridiculous. We know James the- Harden looked good. Like throwback James yeah, Harden. They- so I guess Paul George didn't take the guys out two nights ago when they got in town. <laughs> I guess everyone stayed in their own. Don't really know. Where would Paul George they take James gone, Harden? To be totally well, I was going to ask yeah. you guys yeah. uh, where they would have gone. Uh, to me, I, I think one of my big takeaways from this game um, was, you know, this Pacer team, I don't want to say that we've babied them, but because the Pacers have been down this year, they're not down, or at least they have not been down. And so, don't you feel like, don't you feel like we've kind of rooted the Pacers on a little bit here? I mean, not even just us on the radio, but everyone. You know, when they went to the in-season tournament, you know, the city bought in, and the, oh yeah, you yeah, haven't won a playoff every, game yeah, in six years. Exactly. The Colts have had issues. Yeah. Halliburton looks like a star. Like everyone is kind of bought in. And I really feel like, whether it's last night with some of Carlisle's words, we'll see what he says coming up here in about eight minutes, I feel like that that good cop stuff has has kind of flown out the window. And you know now it's time, hey, if this team is going to be something, go be that, right? And that that's how I feel about the last few games, that that goodwill that they had kind of built up with everybody, the fan base, the media, you know, us here on the show, 
that maybe they've lost some of that, and now fans are like, "Yo, we bought into this. We we're de- you know understand that we're demanding you be a playoff team." Uh, yeah. And now they put themselves in a real rough spot, and the you know the schedule is not going to get any easier. It's just yeah. not. I am a little confused. Like you know, I thought preseason expectations. Like I thought you know me saying forty five wins, five or six seed was kind of on the high end of where people thought. And it's like if you look at the standings. They're not that far away from that. I mean, right now they're on pace for what, like forty-three wins at thirteen and twelve, and they're you know what six, seven seed. I think the issue people have, and this is the rightfully so part of it, Andy. They've been run off the floor in four straight. Yeah, yeah. And, and that to, like NBA teams should not of of the Pacers' magnitude should not be down twenty points in four straight games, especially to a team in the Washington Wizards on Friday night who absolutely stink. I think that's where people have. Uh, questions and you know there's probably an element that the Pacers have played to their competition so far which has offered a lot of great moments and a lot of really low moments and as a coaching staff you know how you handle that how you react to that I think is a big question uh Rick Carlisle joins us next here it is the wake-up call shout out right here Jay Sprunger tweets a picture out of Sandy he's got us right now on his TV in the old living room no better way to start my Christmas vacation what's he got a big 55 inch TV 65 inch TV I gotta get the father-in-law TV wants to buy a TV so I gotta help him out in the next couple weeks well uh, this is a Christmas present you got five (laughs) days to go Uh, Rick Carlisle Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, thanks for joining us on this Tuesday. The Wake Up Call, KB and Andy, Mark Dighton, producing today's effort. As always, we appreciate you joining us. Listen anywhere in the world, 1075thefan.com. Also, go ahead, download that free app. Take us anywhere. Check out the podcast, the YouTube stream, and everything else, 1075thefan.com. We'll have you covered all the NBA, all the Colts action, getting you ready for the weekend, the holidays. Hopefully, everyone having a great holiday week. You got all the shopping done and everything else. Well, you know it's a Tuesday at 8 o'clock. You know know what that means. Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle joining us here on the program. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm all right. What's happening? Hey, uh, well, getting ready for the holidays, obviously, and uh, we got to jump into your team, so let's just do it. Uh, I really thought you were as frustrating, Coach, as as we had seen you last night after the 151-127 loss. Uh, What about last night specifically bothered you? And I guess, secondly, was it just a culmination of the last four, five, six games as now you're looking at potential lineup changes, style of play? You You threw a lot out there last Last night, Coach, what's got you bothered this morning? Well, we've uh, we got an opportunity today to to get some practice time, which we desperately need. I, I don't, I really can't remember the last time we had a live practice, um, and we just need we just need the work. And uh, you know, it's 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 it is difficult. Um, a night like last night where you're playing against some great players that just have, you know, the ability to just rise up and, and shoot over you. And, and some of the stuff in the second half was, was tough, but, um, you know, I, I, after watching the first half last night when I got home, um, you know, we, the game was tied at 57 with a with a couple of minutes left in the first half and we actually even though we hadn't played well and and Tyrese had had a 
had had a frustrating start to the game. We were still, you know, obviously very much in the very much in the game. Then they created some separation right before the half, and and uh, we had another poor third quarter. So we got some things to correct. Um, I don't know the exact direction we're going to go with everything. We may not make any changes at all, but uh, we need to get out there and compete today and get better. Coach, last night you said something to the effect of, you know, recently a lot of bad things ha- have happened. What would be some of those things uh, that you're really disappointed with here as of late? Uh, I don't like looking backward uh, usually, but uh, one of the things that really bothered me and, and I think should have bothered our team was uh, in the Washington game on Friday night, you know, we got off to a pretty decent start. We were up 37-30 and um you know, we had talked about trying to keep them, you know, somewhere in the 20s in the first quarter. And so it ended up being a 30-point quarter, and, and we had 37. So, you know, that's a good that's a good start. Um, and then from there, in the second quarter, you know, as you guys are aware, um, you know, the majority of our offense is dictated by the players. You know, it's, it's, it's a free-flowing, um, you know, uh, passing, random movement, find the best shot, trust the pass approach. It's the way we have to play to be the most, our most effective offensively. And in the second quarter, we had nine shots that were taken that would be, you know, easily categorized as very poor decisions. And it just was a it was a stretch of. You know, bad play. Um, you could look at some of them and call it selfish. You could call it, uh, you know, a lot of different things. But they were not good shots. Um, the spirit just wasn't wasn't where it needed to be. And consequently, Washington scored thirty nine, and you know we're down fourteen at halftime. So we go from up seven to down fourteen, and so it was really a, a brutally miserable quarter and so you know at halftime we 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 challenged our guys to to turn it around and in the third quarter we had a bunch of good shots and just simply missed and you know they can they continued to uh have success offensively and so you know the basketball gods you know stuck it up our you know what, whatever you want to call it in the third quarter, and so you know we just got to be, we got to be right, and our spirit has to be intact. And um, you know we have a target on our back. You know the the attention from the the, the in season tournament, um, all those things. You know the fact that we're a high scoring team. Um, you know we're not sneaking up on any, on anybody, and. You know, beating beating the Pacers is is something that's uh, you, know, uh, you know teams view it as a real feather in their cap. So uh, we got to understand all those things. We got to you know embrace the difficulty of the situation that we're in. And as I said, we got to we got we got to practice today and have a good practice and get better and and get ready for Charlotte. That's another talented team. He's Rick Carlisle again, 13-12 and 12 on the year. Pacers trying to end their four-game losing streak tomorrow night. It'll be the Charlotte Hornets inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Coach, in your history, do you um do you believe that playing to your competition is a thing? Like, do are, are, are there teams out there that, that, that play to their competition, good and bad, of course? 
Uh, it's it's really part of it's really part of this landscape of sport. Um, you know, I certainly wish we would have played to the level of our competition last night. I mean, that's you know that was what was needed. I mean, the, the Clippers uh, have won ten out of thirteen, seven, and now eight in a row, and you know they've got four guys you could argue are first ballot Hall of Famers, and so our level needed to be higher. And look, we were without some guys last night too. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but those things, those things do happen. Um, but it certainly didn't happen last night. I guess, how do you maybe explain you've had some of these high highs with these great wins over the upper echelon, but then Washington Friday night or going back to earlier in November, some of the home losses to the bottom teams, obviously it's the NBA. There's obviously a level, a high level of skill, but how do you explain some of the great, great wins and then some of the lows as well? Well, this is a, an axiom that I heard many years ago. Um, I I like our talent, but we don't have the talent to win on talent alone. You know, we have to be really tied together, uh, really right. And in the games that we've dropped, we've we've had too many uh, too many bad parts of the games. You know, it's um, and so. You know that's that's where we are. We're 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 not where we would like to be. Um, it felt like we were, you know, in the midst of the of the of the tournament and and those kinds of things. But uh, you know, there are some there are some harsh realities that you face um, in a professional sports season. And you know, we've just uh, we've got to take a hard look in the mirror and and get back on the court today and get better. Rick Carlisle joining us here on the fan on this Tuesday. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach Tyrese Halliburton after the game last night talked about, hey, teams are defending me differently here. I'm, I'm having to, to figure this out. It's a chess match between the defense and what I'm trying to do. I think we even talked about this last week with you. What have you guys noticed that teams are trying to do to at least slow him down and in turn slow down your offense? Well, he's he's definitely got a target on his back um, because of the level of play that he demonstrated, you know, through the first twenty games. And so, yeah, he's seen a lot of he's seen a lot of trapping. He's seen a lot of um, different leverage approaches to guarding him um, and things like that. And so, you know, th- those are. Uh, those are adjustments and those can be, those can be tough adjustments. And um, so, you know, he's, he's work, he's working through that, but, you know, great players, um, you know, learn, learn that these are, these are the kinds of challenges that, uh, you know, are the, are the ones that are the most meaningful and fulfilling to meet. And so he'll do it. He'll do it. It's just, uh, it's been a tough run here. And and when you're dropping games, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of naysayers, and so uh, you know we gotta we gotta figure this out together. Rick Carlisle with us. Is there an example? I mean, come on, you've you've obviously coached a lot of good and a lot of great players. Is and you know Halliburton is one of those. Is is there an example from your past where you know a guy came on the scene? Teams got film, they adjusted, and then he had to readjust back, much like Tyrese is having to do. Is there is there a player or players you put in front of him and say, hey, guys that I've coached that have had to do this exact same thing? Well, the, be- the best example of a major adjustment um, was Reggie Miller. 
So, you know, our our last year here as uh, when Larry Bird was the coach, you know, we had had a very tough loss to the New York Knicks in the conference finals. And, um, you know, Reggie, Reggie was was a catch-and-shoot guy. He, you know, he ran around tirelessly and – um, you know, he was great at generating shots off movement, but the way New York played him, you know, they double teamed him off of, uh, off of pin downs. They, they double teamed him off of movement actions and they forced him to give the ball up. And so that summer, you know, we talked about, uh, an approach to change, really change his game. Um, but that it was going to be a lot of work. And that was to develop footwork so that he um, would become a a much higher level one-on-one player and would be able to generate his own shots. And so, you know, in his case, uh, we're talking about doing it out beyond the three-point line. In some cases, um, they were in the long post area, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we were running a lot of things that year where we would run one, two pick and rolls. He would get a switch with a smaller guy on him. Um, he would, he had, he had developed the ability to step off a guy, um, and basically, you know, dip down, rise up and, and shoot. And it was a game changer, um, because we got into the conference finals that year again against New York <laughs> and, you know, instead of just running, you know, uh, floppy actions and different, you know, flare actions to try to get him shots, we could, you know, we could now just go directly to him. Um, he could read the floor and he could create. And um, if they were going to double team him, you know, they were going to have to double team him uh, away from the basket with the ball in his hands. And then that's a, that's an easy pass out. It's a, it's an extra pass. It's a, and it's a, and it's a shot and you got guys on the board. So it was, it was one of the best examples that I've seen um, of a guy, you know, and Reggie was in his early thirties at the time, you know, he was not, he was not a young player, but, but he understood the challenge. Um, he took the challenge and, you know, we worked on this stuff before games. Um, but he committed four in the afternoon for seven o'clock games. And we would, we would be on the floor for a good half hour. And he, you know, his shirt would be completely, completely uh, soaked. And so, you know, that's, that's an example. So, you know, Ty's a Ty's situation is is a little bit different. You know, um, teams are are taking are, are trying to send him to certain angles, send him to more help, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. Sometimes it's going to be simply a matter of getting off the ball and getting back on it. Um, you know, off a of movement so that there's a live catch. And defenses aren't as able to get into um, uh, a specific coverage, you know. But um, you know his offense is fine. <laughs> I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about his offense. You know, I. You know, we've just we've just got to be able to move on from bad things a little bit quicker on the floor. That's that's everybody. 
Um, when there are frustrating things that happen, you know, you've got to, you've got to remain stone faced and, and you've got to move on to the next thing. And so, um, these are some of our tasks and, um, you know, we'll get back to work on it today. Back to work today, back to back coming up tomorrow and Thursday. It'll be Charlotte at home and then in Memphis on Thursday, Rick Carlisle's with us here on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, 25 games into the season, Coach, do you feel – obviously you've made a bit of an overhaul systematically and what you want to do defensively. Do you feel like 25 games is a big enough sample size to have been seen more results than you guys have so far? Uh, yeah, we didn't We didn't do a good enough job in the first 16 or 17 games. That's pretty obvious. But, you know, that's all right. We, we've got to learn from that. And now we just, we've got to win harder games. Um you know, coming out of coming out of, uh, I don't know exactly what what number game it was, but you know, we went from um, we went from wherever we were to the home game against Boston, and you know that was a that was a special night. You know that that you know these are the kinds of situations that we really. Um, we really desire to be in. Um, we had a great win there. We had a great win against Milwaukee. Uh, we lost the the next game. You know, we got it back together in Detroit with a you know a team that had lost 19 in a row. That was, I thought, one of our one of our best, most consistent performances of the year. And then, um, you know, the last four games have been tough. So, um, you know, this is this is where you we got to refine our footing and. Um, and look, we need to get some of our better, better, tougher guys back. You know, Nemhard is is one of our best on-ball defenders. Jalen Smith's been one of our best defenders this year. Um, I don't know the timetable for their return, but uh, those guys, you know, I'm hoping will will practice today. You know, Miles Turner um, was unable to go last night. You know, as a as a, as a late scratch with some hamstring tightness. That that was. That was a loss. He's one of our better defenders. So um, we want to get these guys back. But, you know, the guys that are available and able, um, you know, we, we've got to have a standard that's a, that's a legitimate standard, and we've got to do everything we can do to uphold it. And so, uh, you know, back to work. When you do get those guys back, do you feel like you've got the right personnel to get what you want to get done defensively? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, we've demonstrated it too many times. You know, look, we're, we're going to our, – our scores are going to be high. Um, you know, it's just it's just kind of the nature of the way we play offensively. Um, and I may have talked about slowing the game down and stuff like that. I just – I don't want to do that. I, I've done it in the past with teams, and it's been an effective adjustment. Um, but I don't think it fits the character of, of our team offensively. I don't think it fits Tyrese. I don't think it fits – a lot of the guys we have on our team. And so, you know, that's not, that's not the way to go, but the, the, the way to go is to um, play better. And, um, you know, we got to work at it. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, uh, <laughs> I know what happened last week, but we haven't talked to you since. How odd, what kind of conversations, either with the league or internally, have you guys had about what happened in Milwaukee? One of the the odder scenes uh, when Giannis wanted that basketball, the, the entire back and forth, him running down the tunnel towards you guys' locker room and everything else. What can you tell us about any of the fallout and how odd that was to be a part of that about a week ago? 
nothing. We've moved on from that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was an unusual situation, but it's over. And, uh, you know, we've, we've made the, the decision to move on from that several days ago. Coach, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yeah. We won't talk to you until that. Hopefully we'll chat with you um, coming up a week from Tuesday. And uh, good luck with this back-to-back upcoming. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. It's Rick Carlisle, Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, He's always great. He'll tell you what he thinks. You know, Nemhard and Jalen Smith back to practice. You know, hopefully it sounded like mm-hmm. there was potential for that. Uh, gosh, I just I, I, I can't hold my breath and say, boom, those two are all of a sudden going to flip an entire switch. That's why I asked him, you know, do you feel like even with those guys, you have the right personnel? Obviously, you missed Miles last night, uh, certainly from a rim protection standpoint. I did think if you want to go down a little bit of a positive, I I, I like what I've seen from Isaiah Jackson over the last few games. I meant to ask him about that. You know, we just didn't have time. Isaiah's been good. Not in the mood of a four-game losing streak, maybe to toss Isaiah Jackson question in there, but I do think he has been uh, really, really important. I mean, hell, last night, Andy, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, he's the only center. And, you know, from a foul standpoint, uh, I I thought Isaiah Jackson actually hung in there and did a nice job. But those Halliburton numbers, again, for those unfamiliar, four straight losses for the Pacers, you actually go back a fifth game for Halliburton because he missed one of those. Uh, But the last four games he's played, his point totals, four, excuse me, 14, 22, 19, and eight. He's seven of 21 from three. Andy, probably the most alarming thing from his stat lines of as of late, the turnover numbers. Seven, three, four, and four. You can't take the guy for granted, but you know, those obviously are such a far cry from the rather historic numbers, to be fair to him, that he has put up at different times this season, even last year as well. Um, again, I am not sitting here wanting to like undress Tyrese Halliburton by any means. I think this is more of you're 25 games into the season, and teams now are fully aware of this is the blueprint at all cost. Anybody but Halliburton. That's what it says on the scouting report. One, two, three. They sit there and say, make Buddy Heald score 26. Make someone else uh, you know, have the night of 50 or 60 combined. Benedict Matherin, can he string those games together? So far, he's proven unable to here in the second season. Make Turner be more of a scorer. Uh, Bruce Brown, et cetera, et cetera. These guys are not used to that. And so I do think that is, outside of the defense, I think that is a major question moving forward. You know, one thing that the coach said a couple different times with us, and he said it last night, and, you know, they may even keep saying it. We'll see what happens the next few games is, you know, the Pacers earlier in the season, the first 20 games or so, probably even, you know, a couple of those games in the in-season tournament, KB, they got to be like the college basketball underdog, right? Where everyone's kind of cheering for them. Like, not that they're the 16 seed. Cue up the Peacock sound, Mark. Not that they're that, but that, you know, maybe you could say, well, teams overlooked them or, you know, they you're not dialed into the Pacers. And now they are. And that's a big difference for a young team that they're being guarded differently. Their superstar uh, is being guarded differently, which also means the pace, I would imagine, of your offense is a little bit different. Then you throw in, listen, I have a buddy who is a huge basketball Benny. That's what John Calipari called the media, basketball Bennies. You're a basketball Benny. Uh, And right now... Not a gas bag? I I mean, right now, they're last in a lot of these advanced metrics. They're at the bottom 
or the bottom of a lot of these defensively. And so, you know, I find it interesting when when coach says, hey, you know, we, we you know, we may change our style a little bit is that less possessions means on offense means that we have to guard less possessions on defense. I, I don't know how you go about fixing the defense because I don't I don't feel good, warm and fuzzy, KB, that you know, we've said it just doesn't need to be terrible. And I kind of feel like it's going to be that this year. It's why your questioning was good of, do you have the personnel? It's been 25 games. Is this basically who you are? So that's something I'm going to be watching. And then just going back, a young team that experienced the highs, you know, they, they've, they, teams are looking at tape of, of Halliburton and these other guys and taking some of that away how they readjust to the adjustment here. It's kind of like the next step in maturation for this team. I'm not trying to say, hey, you've lost four straight. Here's a bunch of positives that this was the next step. They need to figure it out or they're not going to be, you know, they're either not going to be a playoff team or they're going to be in those play-in games uh, to be able to make it. So the next few are going to be interesting and they've got to beat Charlotte. they got to feel oh, better man. about themselves. Yeah, they just have more. to. Uh, they gave up 151 last night to the Clippers, Andy. In doing so, that now puts them in last place in the NBA in points allowed per game. That's at 127. If you look at that statistic, points allowed for teams this season, uh, that 127 number, it's last in the NBA. That should stand out just enough. You know, you are literally the worst defensive team in allowing points this season. If you look at 1 through 30, though, Andy, there's only two teams in the league allowing more than 122. Like, there is a, for the most part, the right. median of the league is like 112, 113, 114. It's very jumbled in the middle. And then you've got to look all the way down, and you've got Atlanta right there at 122 in 28th, which is bad. But then you got to go down to 126 and 127 to find the Wizards and the Pacers dead last. So, again, if you just got that number up to whatever... You know, 121, 122, which it seems like such an asking price considering how they've looked. And again, last night when I tweeted it out, some people took it as I was making an excuse for the Pacers when I said this result was to be expected. When you're going to tell me that there's no Turner and they've guarded wings, how they've guarded wings in, you know, really recent years, but especially this year. Of course, Paul George, James well, Harden, yeah, and Kawhi Leonard I know, are going to go off. That's the reality of how bad they are defensively. Just because I said it's to be expected doesn't mean that's an excuse. It means right. I've accepted this is reality with this Pacers team. And, of course, you do throw in Nemhard, who I do think is a guy that can help out a little bit more. So, uh, again, Pacers back to practice today. First time in a while. We'll see about Andrew Nemhard and Jalen Smith moving forward the rest of the week. Uh, but the first four-game losing streak of the season, Rick Carlisle teed up for the first time this year, last night. I, I would have lost that bet, by the way, if you just said it's going to be game whatever it is, 24-25, before he gets a technical. I don't know if that was the time to maybe ask him. <laughs> and maybe Probably we'll, not. But I believe he led the league in texts last year. He, he did. No, we talked about that before the season or very early in the season. He even made joke uh, a joke about the amount of technicals that then he, he had received UVA's last tuition year. was for Abby well. and said, yeah, I can't be getting teed up that much. Uh, just quickly, and again, I, I don't want people's eyes to glaze over when we give numbers, but uh, points per possession allowed, they're last in the NBA 
effective field goal percentage, they're last in the NBA. Uh, in they're last in the NBA in score percentage God, allowed. As I mean, that's just it is what it is. And then if you go, I have a buddy send me the advanced analytics. Like their 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 defense against spot up shooters is considered poor. They're considered poor in transition. Uh, they're below average in post ups. They're poor in pick and roll guarding the ball handler. Just things that when you watch a game, yeah. the analytics breaks down again. I don't want to force right. feed those. To I could people, show a but... stat to Colleen Bowen and she would know that the Pacers stink on defense. <laughs> and I could show a stat to Tony East and he would know that the Pacers there stink you go. on defense. There you go. A no little matter bit what, for everybody. No matter how you look at it. Shane points this out. He goes. Ever since Tyrese Halliburton did the Dame Time celebration, that, it hasn't it? been his Ugh. time. Oh. Correlation? <laughs> Maybe. Is that a WAB investigation? Uh, I, I mean, they, the, it can, you know, sports can be so, you know, they were riding high. He looked, there was, he looked so off last night. And again, he has earned, beyond earned the benefit of the doubt, but like, they were again balls thrown out about. I mean, him and Buddy Heald and and Bruce Brown are looking at each other like Mahomes looks at Kadarius Tony. Oh God, don't bring that up. I okay. mean, it was like, was what? It, if I'm not mistaken, his first bucket was 70-62, Late right in the game. It was yeah, with like yeah, two yeah. minutes uh-huh. to go, a little under right. two minutes know, to go in the I'm, first half. I'm sitting here thinking, wow, the Pacers are like weathering this storm. I mean, sure. they are tied to Rick's point, fifty-seven all. And Halliburton hadn't scored yet, but uh, yeah, do, ugly, very, very rare, ugly night. Do you like Harden's game when he goes no, ISO I step it. back? I figured I, I you probably hate it. <laughs> I was so mad he played well. I wanted want, Boomer yeah. to just, just literally, you know, I feel I wanted Boomer to just fall on him when he did the Snow Angel. Somehow Boomer appear and just fall on him. Now you've had two Snow Angels. Kayvon Thibodeau did one when Nick Foles was uh, convulsing on the ground last year. That one a little in worse Life. in my mind. I thought uh, Harden. Oh yeah, you think so? Yeah. Harden earned the right to do the Snow Angel with how he was playing. Now Paul George didn't receive the booze. Uh, you know, a l- little really split for just, pregame, but yeah, then he hit what he what he had fifteen in the first quarter, and it's like yeah, can you still like, boo okay, the dude anymore? Yeah, yeah. Remember, he's a free agent. He would be well served to have Paul George <laughs> on their roster. I, it sounded like Paul made some nice comments about Indiana on his podcast earlier. This week. Uh, all right. Uh, Thad Mata in a half hour. Butler four pack given away to the Biggies opener tonight. That is the Hoyas of Georgetown at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Hoping to touch base with Michael Grady here before the end of the show. Before all of that, let's check it down. Yeah, well, since we had Rick Carlisle there, uh, we played a lot of sound from Carlisle back in the 7 o'clock hour. We'll do so in the 9 o'clock hour on that check down as well. I figured we'd jumble it up a little bit. Is that okay with you, KB? I love it. I love uh, it. Adam Silver was on Bally's with the fellas uh, with uh, Denarian Buckner. visit already this yeah, year. Yeah, how about that? Adam Silver in attendance. It's about 40 seconds. Silver talking about all the festivities going to be happening here in a couple months in Indy. There aren't any other communities that come together quite the way Indianapolis does for big events. You guys host so many big sporting events here. You have the NCAA headquarters here. You know, so many of the the national oversight committees are based here in Indianapolis. It's just something you do. And so for All-Star, by the fact that you have all these hotels a stadium and arena in walking distance of each other. It just it just makes for a really unique experience here. So you know we're thrilled, and there's a great organizing committee. We're working hand in hand with Rick Fusen and his team, and of course the, the Simon family on, on organizing all the events. It's become an essence All Star Week, but I'm thrilled. Mac McClung, 
Speaking of All Star Weekend, invited to defend <laughs> Is his he really? dunk title. Let's go! Oh yeah, so that's again, a name. Lucas Oil on Saturday night of All Star Weekend. I would assume Obi Toppin would take that challenge for the hometown team, but uh, we are less than two months away from the NBA All Star Weekend descending upon Indianapolis. All right, last night to Monday Night Football. How about Drew Locke? Was it Young Jeezy? Is that who he was dancing to on the sidelines yeah. back in the day? A lot the of that in the post-game locker room. I did love the Drew Locke-Geno Smith celebration after the touchdown there uh, to win it. They beat the Eagles last night, a 92-yard drive led by Missouri's Drew Locke on a third and 10 with twenty. Uh, excuse me, 33 seconds to go. He found Jackson Smith and Jigba for the game-winning score. Uh, so the Seahawks remain in wildcard contention. And for the Eagles right now, that loss puts them on the road for mm-hmm. round one of the playoffs. The Cowboys are back atop the NFC East. It would be Eagles at Bucks here in round one of the playoffs. Shaquille Leonard last night, 28 of 61 snaps, four tackles, uh, nothing really else of note. Yeah, and they, they, they showed him like he was a starter last night when they when you know when they flashed the graphic or whatever. Is he a starter for playing twenty snaps? Yeah, I I don't, I don't know. I think they're just trying to put a name recognition up there. I I have absolutely no idea. Playing time would indicate no. Uh, All right, you were right about something. Morehead State is a twelve and a half point dog tonight in Bloomington. That one six thirty Big Ten Network. Catch it over on IBC as well. Indiana technically did start. Yeah, I guess he technically did. I mean, they flashed him up there uh, as a starter, but again, played, what, about a third of the snaps? Mm -hmm. Uh, Morehead State, Indiana tonight at 6.30. Hoosiers need to bounce back that one at about 12.5. The spread right now over under at 141.5 Did we find out as well. If Alice Lloyd is a student at St. Mary of the Woods. <laughs> no, I haven't done uh, Alice Lloyd here. I'll look I'll I'll look uh She's not the homecoming queen no. of St. Mary of the Woods College. No, is is this in the mountains? This might be in the mountains of uh It looks like Kentucky. it is. I did like a Google yeah. map search and I was like, there's a lot of oh, So yeah, for those that here. have just joined Deep us, Morehead State plays Indiana University in basketball <laughs> tonight. Uh, that game is sandwiched around St. Mary of the Woods College and Alice Lloyd College for Moorhead State. Uh, Purdue beat them by a lot earlier this year for what it's worth. Indiana beat them by a lot in the season opener last year. They shoot a ton of threes. Just don't lose. Purdue Ironically, St. Mary of the Woods doesn't look like it's very much in a very wooded area. <laughs> uh, isn't there a lot of St. Mary's here in Indiana? Oh, there's a St. Mm-hmm. Mary's in every town across the country. Uh, Butler, Georgetown, 639. Butler, a big favorite yeah. in that one. If you look at Big East games, this is on the manageable, easy, however you want to label it, sort of viewpoint. It goes without saying, uh, Butler needs a total 180 from the Big East last season. I would say the non-conference so far, Andy, has indicated we'll see that. Uh, but last year, just outclassed way too often in the Big East conference. So it'll be Georgetown and Providence out of the gate here this week for the uh, other thing I wanted to note, we do have a Falcons starting quarterback. We can get to that. Uh, did you see Lance Stevenson's stat line from his first G League game? Oh, my God. I can't believe I didn't look it up. No, hit, hit me with it. Let's go. In typical Lance fashion, he certainly walked into the arena and said, uh, have you seen my highlight tape? I'm going to take some shots here. 24 minutes on the floor, 3 of 11 oh. from the field. How about 11 rebounds from Lancey? There you go. He's Not saying, a one-trick pony. He'll go rebound his own misses. Oscar Sheway, watch this. Uh, there you go. Four assists for Lance. Again, Good for ho- him. Hoping to touch base with Michael Grady. Can't wait to get Grady's thoughts on Lance starring in a movie. we got to get Lance on.
We got to get him on to promote the movie. Well, sure, it's on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he needs to get those hits. He needs to right. get the watches and views, and people are, you know, like Mark said, for the next few weeks are sitting around the house, yeah. not doing anything. You tell the kids, no Home Alone in the Bowen household tonight. We're watching, uh, watching this Netflix joint from Lance Stevenson. Maybe you'll get a, like a, a sequel too if it does well. You get a sequel. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be awesome. Maybe a trilogy. Maybe like the Fast and the Furious movies. There's like 19 of them. <laughs> oh, You goodness. honestly probably need that for Lance Stevenson's God basketball life to describe it. All right. The Falcons have named a starting quarterback. It is not the man from Cincinnati. We'll explain more on the other side. Get back into the Colts conversation. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Big thank you to Rick Carlisle joining us. Been a little tough stretch here for the Pacers. They look to bounce back tomorrow night against Charlotte. Of course, you'll catch the game right here on the fan. You miss any of Carlisle, uh, any of the uh, other nonsense we have here on our uh, fine program, uh, catch it up at 1075thefan.com. Fed Mata going to join us coming up. We'll also give away a family four-pack of tickets, right? We'll do that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Old friend Michael Grady joining us at 945. By the way, I didn't see this. You did some TV on Sunday night. I'm looking at your Twitter right now with with my man Dog, Andrew Chernoff. How about Andrew that? Andrew Chernoff. Him and I, you know, we grew up playing basketball together way back in the day. He is a great human. Yeah, a little uh, oh, love action. Uh, so yeah, we, okay. uh, we could chew. double dipped it on Sunday. You did. You got the khakis on. I like it. I got the boat shoes. Got the sport coat with the no tie look, which is the power move now to go away from the tie. I do appreciate the people under 40 go away from the tie did now. Did you do that at the wedding this weekend? <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> I did go away from the tie. I had a buddy wear a tie, and he was like, why'd I wear this damn tie? I go, you know not to wear the tie. You know, come on. You're not an old man. Uh, you tease something. We know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday, and it's going to be... Taylor Heineke, as yes. Andy Sweeney said earlier, the pride of Old Dominion. If you think back to, honestly, just the last 48 hours, Arthur Smith, head coach of the Falcons, non-committal to Desmond Ritter after the loss to Carolina, was once again non-committal to him yesterday as well. Uh, but early this morning, Josh Kendall from The Athletic. Mark, we're going to have him on Thursday, you said? Thursday at 9. Uh, he reported uh, that it will be Taylor Heineke. You know, Colts fans probably have a little Heineke PTSD from what happened last season. At Lucas Oil Stadium. Now, that was with the Commanders. Uh, 74% day for Heineke. Nearly 300 yards. Obviously, Terry, Terry McLaurin made that huge, huge catch late in the game. But some big scrambles from Heineke as well. That's been the outlier, though. That game, frankly, yeah. since really last season. Uh, has not played well with Atlanta in the couple of starts he got. This is the second time Ritter's been bitch. Ritter's been a turnover machine. A very high number, especially in the red zone. Six red zone turnovers. Just so backbreaking there. So uh, it will be Taylor Heineke. And, I, you know, bird's eye view from Atlanta, isn't it more of just like try and get the ball to the dudes you drafted high? <laughs> yeah. Like I B. Mean, John Robinson's role is what? I, I Kyle know. Pitts' role is what? I know. I mean, I guess Drake London's probably been a little bit more of a consistent guy for them, but still. Their, their whole team is filled like they with got like a bunch of top 10, exactly. top 15 skill guys drafted. <laughs> like you would think, oh, you think they'd be better. I mean, I don't know. London has 58 catches. So if he ends this season with 70 catches ish, but he's their only uh, wideout, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm saying uh, that's an okay year, but you know, he probably thinks he's, you know, a 90 catch guy, a hundred catch guy. No, Atlanta is just, 
I don't know. They're blah. I mean, right? Isn't that how you feel about they're the Atlanta? So blah. They're just so blah. And but they have, like you mentioned, you know, three, four, five guys that you look at and say, well, damn, that's not bad. I want to ask you, this would have been something perhaps you talked about had um, you know, the Colts were going to go quarterback and they go Anthony Richardson and everyone loves that and we'll see how that's going to work out. I read some stuff that that Atlanta should have went after Lamar Jackson right. mm-hmm. uh, a lot more. Now, if you remember, Lamar Jackson wasn't an unrestricted free agent. So if you said, hey, we want to offer you five years for 300 mil, and Baltimore, the, the, match, yeah, yeah. Baltimore mm-hmm. could have matched. And so there was a sensitivity there. We got a young quarterback. Do we want to show our hand that maybe we don't believe in him? But uh, it's obvious Desmond Ritter is a backup in this league. Taylor Heineke is very much a backup in this league. I don't know if that's a fair criticism, even well, though the, the Falcons are stinky that they should have offered Lamar Jackson. It's kind of wild to me that Arthur Smith, an offensive-minded head coach, has hitched his head coaching wagon to bad quarterbacks. To Desmond Ritter. Yeah, to bad quarterbacks. I mean, a third-round pick. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, if I'm taking the job <laughs> and I've got the offensive I, background, I, I mean, you know, it's one thing in Tennessee to do it when your defense is playing like that and Der- and Arthur Smith came from Tennessee. That's why I use that example. And Derrick Henry obviously had a historic run there, but... Uh, yeah, it sounds like the days are very numbered in Atlanta. Not only for Desmond, I mean, hell, maybe we've seen the last of Ritter, frankly, uh, but for Arthur Smith as well. Uh, coming up, top of the hour, in about 20 minutes or so, Thad Mata, Butler basketball head coach, will join us here on The Fan. I wanted to throw something your way as well. We were talking about it during the break. Uh, coach Venturi uh, was talking about this Monday night, last night, on the Colts roundtable. You know, one guy that it gets lost in the shuffle, we have been asking, are we going to see more of Nick Cross? I'm looking at your Twitter account going back a couple days. Uh, Nick Cross obviously splits time with Rodney Thomas, but Nick Cross had 26 snaps, which is the most since <laughs> win for him, right? I, I mean, you know, it's a guy that we've been asking, is he going to get on the field? Coach Venturi on Monday made it sound like he wants to see even more of Nick Cross going uh, going forward here. You know, the enemy of great is good. And sometimes I think you can have a solid guy in the lineup, but when you got a chance to get a guy with great athleticism, playmaking, he showed you that. He just took it away. He just took it away from Pickens. There's no question about it. And the thing I like about him, when you team him up with Blackman, you may have the two best athletic, you know, guys that could actually be corners or nickels. The thing, what I say about that is they're not intimidated when wide receivers, they get matched up with wide receivers, which is what the game is today. So I I really do believe that he should be the guy now. I think if you put him in the lineup, he is going to do for the free safety position what Speed did for the Will Backer position. I think they're just two tremendous athletes who just needed to learn the game and really are playmakers all the way. I think that's really well said by Rick Venturi again last night on Colts Roundtable Live. You go back to that play, Andy. Uh, Pittsburgh's up 13-7 at midfield, and it's a first down. So they're going to take it. You know, a lot of you know, coaching whatever 101 says that's when you take a shot, and mm-hmm. they do take a shot. And if you would have told Mike Tomlin, you're going to get your best deep ball catcher, a guy that is – I mean, we've seen the George Pickens highlights. He's not anywhere near the most consistent dude, but he makes those highlight reel, climb the ladder catches. You're going to get him on a Colt safety who doesn't play a whole lot. Mike Tomlin's going to say, where do I sign up for that? And if you go back and watch the play, I mean, maybe Cross was there a hair early, but it wasn't called. And ultimately, that is Nick Cross, a guy that doesn't panic in that situation, high points the ball, and if you really slow it down, he kind of takes it away 
from George Pickens. Oh, it was a play in of the game. Moment. One of them. Yeah, that one of the top two or three of the game. Huge, huge, huge play for this defense. Uh, you know, Cross, again, we've talked about him a little bit. Um, around the bye week, Andy, I wrote a, you know, 10 things to watch for here down the stretch. And I grouped Cross with Jelani Woods on my list of Bernard Ryman was a third round pick two years ago. The other two, Woods and Cross. We know that Ryman's pretty darn solid. And I think you feel very encouraged about him moving forward. Obviously, Woods, it looks like a total wash this season. But I put Cross on there and Woods, and I said, do we see anything from them in the back half of the year? At this point with Cross around the bye week, it had looked like another kind of healthy redshirt year for him. And that's a bit disappointing. Again, you drafted him. He was 20 years old. He's very young, uber athlete out of Maryland. He's a third-round pick, which is a high draft And you traded back into round three thinking that the next year he would come out and he would have been a round two pick. That was the thought in trading back into round three as he came out as an underclassman. And again, he started as a rookie, played a game and a half, benched, never really saw the field. Um, I do think the Blackman cross mention that Venturi said there, that really checks out. In today's NFL, you know, safeties with corner backgrounds are starting to become more and more of a thing. It's less the physical safety, unless you're DeMonte Casey of, of the Steelers, and you're more of the cover safety. And Blackman had history of that at Utah. Cross doesn't maybe have as much of that, uh, but certainly on that play, he looked like he could handle it. And so I am curious here in the final couple weeks of the season, do we see even more of a shift? Or is Gus Bradley saying, no, I like Nick Cross, still kind of just you know dipping his toes in and splitting the time with Rodney Thomas? Well, I, I think there's a number of things here. I think you can go to more cover guys because, <laughs> like we did with, uh, K- it's KZ, right? The Steeler guy uh, who got suspended because you're not tossing out those big hits. Right to the to the amount that you used to. This is not a Bob Sanders position as much as it may be of hey, go up athletically. You got to be this or that. I guess what I would just ask you and throw out there is, I mean, that would be that would be a big change this late in the season, would it not? If you said, hey, we're gonna flip how many snaps a guy like Rodney Thomas is gonna get to Nick Cross. If nothing else, him playing as you know, starting to play more Venturi and others talking talking about him the way that they are, you're starting to feel better about him actually being able to be part of this defense. And I think for well, the last year or so, I know at least this season, since I've been covering the team, you know, the only time we've talked about Nick Cross is, hey, he didn't play at all, right? I mean, that's been the only time, but I do wonder, I mean, you're talking three games left, you know, making that big of a difference in snaps between he, he and a guy like Thomas, that would be a that'd be a pretty big move to make this late in December. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that would be a bold move to make as you enter the game against Atlanta. Ten minutes from now, Thad Mata, and we will give away a four-pack of tickets to Butler and Georgetown tonight. 6.30, Big East opener, the Georgetown Hoyas in town. We'll do that in 10. Appreciate Rick Carl. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Kyle joining us. You miss any of his conversation, any of the Colts or Pacers conversation, check out the podcast center, 1075thefan.com. Also, uh, thanks for all the people that listen. Our number's great on the YouTube. Go ahead and check that out. We've all tweeted that link out this morning. Subscribe so uh, you'll see our uh, you'll see our beautiful mugs when you log in to, uh, to YouTube. Do your kids watch YouTube religiously? God, they... yes. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> the worst content ever. Yeah, there are a few times where Rosie's had the phone for a few minutes. I'm like, how did you get there? The loudest families of all time are all on YouTube, and they're all thinking they're hilarious, and they talk at, like, warp speed. Everybody's on, like, the two-time speed. There's no, like, breaths or pauses. Some of these people should be arrested, I feel like. And they're probably making millions. But I'm like, wow, that's the thing. CBS to their house? I don't think they go through life without, like, a camera on themselves constantly. Like, your kids are just going to assume that they need to be filmed constantly. It's just like... Do something without the camera. Just I, one thing. I don't know if this is the smoothest transition, but I literally am about to say, speaking of arrests, oh, here and, we and go. I guess this is very unfair to the individual because oh, it no. sounded like kind of an overblown incident, but there is a positive by it. I do think McKenzie and Baco has been a little bit better lately, <laughs> he Andy. Has been, he has been better. I was wondering where you were going to Gosh, go with that. was that bad? I was wondering it if it was going to be bad. Pacers, Colts-related, NFL-related. <laughs> I have a few things, but you went McKenzie and yeah, Baco. I to, he has been better. He's scoring in double figures pretty consistently, is and he like, not? I've noticed a little bit of driving from him to the basket, not to Taco Bell. And, and, and so I do feel like that is an aspect to him that we weren't seeing earlier in the season. Uh, and again, right now with your guards, there's so much just minute pressure on Gabe Cups, on Trey Galloway, uh, with Xavier Johnson out. I just see more from C.J. Gunn. Remember C.J. Gunn at Michigan, Andy? You know, he had that nice little stretch there in really each half where he gave you right. something in an, you haven't Im- seen it since. an important road win, and you haven't really gotten that at all since then. So as we look ahead to Indiana back in action tonight, uh, nothing for number 1-ranked Purdue until Thursday. That is something of, okay, what do you get a little something out of C.J. Gunn? And then also, McKenzie Mbako, has he turned kind of that 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 corner fully? Five straight games in double figures. He's rebounding on And it's not just hitting five threes. You oh, know, or sure. something like I think we've known. I mean, he's got a beautiful looking stroke. Obviously, he's a great foul shooter. You see that ability from him. I've noticed a little bit more of, hey, I can put the ball on the floor. And like he's six eight. And Indiana starts a bunch of dudes that are his size are taller. So he's naturally gonna have a smaller dude on him. There should be that ability. To make some plays in the paint. I wanted to ask you this, just looking at the NFL standings during the break. You have the Bengals, you have the Colts, you have the Texans, and the Bills all sitting at 8-6 right now. And I don't need to go through all the tiebreaker scenarios. People can go to ESPN.com. You'll write about it. You've written about it the last few weeks at 1075thefan.com. I, I believe that the Steelers are done here. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. They're the 10th seed right now. I believe they're done just because of look what they've done the last three weeks. Look how the Colts were able to run them, you know, run over them uh, and everything else. Denver lost, and Denver was pretty much discarded by the Lions. It is worth mentioning, they do have the stinky Patriots, the Chargers, who are done. We understand that. Uh, I don't know if a new coaching staff, you know, you know, Staley's gone, if that's going to mean anything. Herbert's out for the year. And then at the Raiders... So, you know, there is a chance that they at least win two more games. I think Denver gets to nine, if not ten. I guess what I'm trying to ask is Bengals, Colts, Texans, Bills. Do you believe do you believe, Kevin Bowen, as we look at this Atlanta game on Sunday, that it's those four teams for two spots? And I know the AFC South is still out there. 
I shouldn't give Jacksonville the benefit of, of the doubt. I guess I am a little bit. Uh, or do you not? And you say, no, bring Jacksonville down into that territory. There are uh, three spots open, one being the AFC South for five different teams. Does that make yeah, sense? I, I want to make sure we acknowledge the AFC South. You because have to. I do think Jacksonville, I don't see Jacksonville going 3-0. and Like, I, I see 2-1, and depending on the Lawrence injury, uh, again, at Tampa this Sunday. Um, I guess the bigger question is, would either the Colts or the Texans go 3-0? and Well, that would be the question, right. And, and, and probably the past president of the season would say no, no. But if you look at the Colts, I mean, they're going to be favored in the next two. And if you look at the Texans, I don't know. Them and Cleveland, is that a coin flip game? It probably depends on C.J. Stroud. No, I, I would still say Cleveland, uh, even, boy, in, in even though it's on the road. Yeah, that's a difficult one. That's a difficult one. And they're going to be favored yeah, next know. week against the Titans. So um, there is that opportunity there. But just to play out the wild card scenario that you laid out, four for two, um, let's run down quickly these schedules. Bengals, at Steelers, at Chiefs, home to Browns. Colts, at Falcons, Raiders, Texans. Texans have the Browns and Titans at home, and then they're at Indy. The Bills have at Chargers, home to Patriots. Then they have at Dolphins the last game of the season. That could be a couple of different things. Miami could have the division locked up. Yep, and the two seed. Or even the or, one. Or, or the I, one. You know, they right. could be, they, they could we'll be playing for a lot of things, or they could be in rest mode. Or they could be playing for and nothing. With how right. banged up they've been, you know they would probably love to get some rest for those guys. So if you look at Buffalo's schedule, they might have the easiest yeah, there's road a chance. the yeah. rest of the way there. Um, I, I still feel good about the Colts, and I will reiterate this, and we'll probably get more into playoff scenarios here tomorrow and the rest of the week. So much of this could and will come down to Week 18. And, and, and as simple as you win, you're in, you lose, you're probably not. Um, it's not that simple, but it almost is that simple based off where things stand right now, and obviously we'll have to see how the rest of these next two weeks play out. All right, on the other side, Thad Mata joins us ahead of Butler's opener in the Big East tonight against Georgetown, and we'll give away a four-pack of tickets to the Bulldogs and Hoyas. 6.30 tip from Hinkle. We'll do that next. I like what Mark Dighton's doing here. A little uh, Christmas pop punk specials from Mark Dighton this week. Is that okay? Is that okay with Kevin Bowen? I'm kind of digging it, man. I I can get behind that. I am probably a little bit more of a just give me the traditional, um, you know, Christmas. (laughs) Was it Brenda Lee, right? Isn't she the. uh, You want the the old traditional stuff? Yeah, probably a little bit. Of that, but yeah, I, I can get a little poppy here. Okay, I'm trying. You know, to- after our three weeks of it, you know, you could probably throw in a little bit of a different flair to it. So, Mark Dykin, as always, is on it. Yeah, he's he's switching it up on us. He's expanding uh, your horizons here. You've heard on all the, the Christmas call. songs already. Let's do some. Yeah, let's ones. do something new. That's fair. Uh, Thad Mata joining us here. Butler basketball in action tonight. Reminder: We'll give away a family four pack coming up after this interview. Uh, they're back in action. Hinkle there at. 6.30, Big East play beginning, and we can talk about that and much more. Coach, good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. A little bit chilly, but uh, I'm good. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. It's I, cold weather. I'm it, with it, you. I don't like this. And this is where we say we hope it's hot inside of Hinkle tonight, yeah, we, right? We hope it's hot inside exactly. of, Coach, I don't yeah. mind mentioning it. Every time it gets cold and the sun goes away for several months, I think about I think about living in Florida or you know somewhere where it's you know 80 degrees every single day, every single time. <laughs> 
And I did that for a few years when I was retired, and I tell you, it's pretty damn nice. So I, don't <laughs> I figured that's the case. Uh, that Mata joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I think the last time we talked with you uh, definitely was after that Texas Tech game. Uh, what do you like? What do you like about your team right now? You guys obviously on that six-game winning streak, taking care of some teams with some lesser records. So, what do you like about your team, and what areas of improvement are you stressing to your guys before you enter Big East play? Well, I think first and foremost, you know, the, the, the message to the guys is college basketball is three seasons. You get your preseason, conference season, and then postseason. And, and, you know, tonight for us starts season two. And I, I like uh, from the standpoint of, of how these guys have, have come together, how they've competed. You know, we've been in some, some, some tight games um, here in the last month and, and uh, have, have done a pretty good job of finishing games out. I think that uh, you know, our, our defense is continuing to get better. And as a head coach, you, you never, last game of the year, you're still not playing as well defensively as you want to because you always want perfection. And, you know, you're, as, as we go into these next 20 games, you, you're going against great players, great talent, great coaching. Um, but I think we have gotten better um, here recently at making kind of in-game adjustments and saying, okay, they're, they're really focusing on doing this. We have to take this away. Um, I think offensively, I, the, the thing that I really like is the way we're playing unselfish and, um, you know, taking care of the basketball. We've got to continue to do that and, and – you know, as, as we learned, uh, you gotta, you, you've always got to have a sort of a hot hand and make shots, and you know you don't want to put all the pressure on your defense every game. So hopefully, we can continue to score the ball at a high rate like we are. Again, coming up in a bit, we'll give away a four-pack of tickets to the Big East opener tonight. Butler and Georgetown. It's Thad Mata's bunch just wrapped up. Pretty nice non-conference slate you know coach it's kind of a quiet week for college basketball you guys of course are starting conference play do you like the Big East doing that you don't see many conferences starting things up the week of Christmas yeah you know it's funny um Every time I voice my opinion, nobody cares. So, <laughs> well, I, we do. I, I don't say a lot, but uh, no, you know, it sort of it is what it is, and and um, you know, I think all conferences are sort of doing something a little bit different. I think the ECC, Big Ten, they play too early in December. Um, you know, the good thing is we, we've got these two games here. We get a little bit of a break. Guys get to go home. Um, then you come back on and strap it on for you know two straight months. But uh, you know, it, it, it sort of is what it is, and and you know, I. I like, as I said earlier, I like our guys' focus going into the game tonight. Um, I, you know, we're it's it's going to be a war. That's that's for sure. But uh, I like where they are mentally. I don't need to remind you of what took place last year in the Big East for your team. Um, if you think back to your Big East opener last year and compare it to your feelings this morning, how much more confident are you in being able to handle the rigors of this year's Big East slate versus uh, last season? Um. You know, I, I think we're probably a little better suited. I, if my memory serves me correctly, it was UConn last year, right? And uh, I think we were down forty-two to thirty-nine. The big fella hit a three, and uh, it was it was over at that point. Um, but you know, I just I, I think we're we're a little bit of uh, as, as crazy as it sounds. I think we're a little bit of, a, of an older team, more experienced team. Although we got eleven new guys. Um, but there, there is some, you know, guys that, that have some things to prove, and and I, I really like that. I, I think that, uh, you know, for me personally, going through a season in the Big East, I, I now, I now know, you know exactly how good this league is and how hard it is. 
and just sort of the preparation that we have to have as, as we go forward. And, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited to start tonight. I think it's, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity for our program. I guess to piggyback that and Thad Mata with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on the fan on this Tuesday, you know, Coach, I, you know, I was going to ask you are, you, are you ready for the uptick in schedule? Georgetown tonight, on the road to Providence, on the road, St. John's and Rick Patino, and then, yeah, back home to a little team called UConn, who happens to be number five in the country, and then on the road to Marquette. I mean, the next three weeks for you guys, you're going to know, I would imagine, a lot more about your basketball team coming up in, you know, mid-January or so. Oh, there's no question about that. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's on at this point. And you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing, you know, you, you look at college basketball and, um, I've always said this, I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate in my career of winning conference championships, but, um, you know, you you obviously have to have talent. You got to have players, but you know, the, the three keys is win, protect your home court, win the ones you're supposed to, and then still a couple on the road, and, and you're you're in contention, and that's that's a lot easier said than done. But you know, in, in a conference race, the, the one thing I know is you can't get too high, you can't get too low. I mean, you know, you get a win, it's like okay, you're on to the next one, and, and that's what I always said. I thought it was great training, you know, coaching 13 years in the Big Ten. Sure, <laughs> people are like, how do you do it? And it's like you just sort of become numb. You know, you, you you beat Indiana on a Wednesday night, and it's like, ah, walking off the court, ah, we're in East Lansing on on Saturday. Okay, here we go. And, you know, you just, you got to keep the focus on your team. You got to keep your focus on teaching and coaching and and, uh, and and hope for the best. Hope for, you know, not many injuries and, uh, you know, all those things. And, and hope you you hit your stride playing your best basketball late. Coach, last one for me. Really appreciate you joining us here on a game day. Again, we're going to give away a four-pack of tickets to tonight's Big East opener here in just a second. Um, last weekend, you saw kind of a mini version of the Crossroads Classic here in Indy with Indiana State and Ball State, then obviously Purdue and Arizona. You guys, of course, were a part of the previous Crossroads Classic. By all indications, and this was before you took over as head coach, um, you and Purdue were the two teams that wanted to stay in the Crossroads Classic. Do you envision yourselves getting involved in something like that? down the road would you like to be back in a crossroads classic mini version however you want to describe it yeah i I think so um you know i'm I'm not exactly sure what would happen with the crossroads but uh um you know i know i I was at indiana and and when that thing folded you know i remember saying hey you know schedule home and home with kansas schedule home and home with kentucky and and i think they i know they've done it with kansas i think they did a four-year deal with kentucky um, but you know, th- those type of things are, are good. Uh, you know, the, the hard part now is, is scheduling so doggone hard because you never know who's going to be on your team until June and, um, you know, how college basketball has changed. But, uh, I, I think that was good. I used to go to it when I, when I wasn't coaching and I mean, it was a, it was a great afternoon of basketball. That's for sure. Thad Mata with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. All right, Georgetown tonight, Ed Cooley's first year. What do his teams like to do? What have you seen watching tape getting ready for tonight's game? Well, I do this. I mean, Ed obviously is one of the one of the top coaches in the country. I got a lot of respect for him. He's a very good friend. Um, you know, he's he's going to play rough, tough basketball. They're they're a team that, that relies heavily on shooting threes. 
Um, they're as all as Providence teams do. They they get to the foul line. Um, you know, they they offensive rebound and defensively, they they mix it up. They're they're, they're playing. We've seen a lot of different coverages, a lot of different uh, defensive schemes that they've done. And you know, we got to get into the first four minutes and see exactly what they want to do tonight to us. Yeah, and tonight it is the Big East opener for the Butler Bulldogs. Georgetown coming up at six thirty. And we'll give away a four-pack of tickets here in just a second. Coach, thank you on game day, and uh, we'll talk to you here in the coming weeks. Good luck with the Big East slate, and uh, Merry Christmas to you. All right, we need Hinkle rocking tonight. Let's go. Let's go. B-U-T-L-E, are you a Bulldog? (laughs) There you go. Hell yeah, Thad Mata right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Again, Butler, a pretty heavy favorite. Notre Dame is not good at basketball, and they should have beat Georgetown if you want to know anything about Georgetown. Yeah, and I, you know, I was gonna tease this. I dropped the ball, Mark. You dropped the ball. We dropped the ball. I mean, today it's your, it's your, it's your big night. You and you and Rakes are all going to the Notre Dame Citadel game. And I'm I not couldn't mis- sleep last well, night. I mean, I'm not. It's, it's I'm ten decked after, out. Have you seen my attire? It's ten after. I've got no- the t-shirt. If it's a hot <laughs> night in the Joy Center, too, I'm sure it will be. You do. I like that. Is that uh, what is that homage? Is that how you say it? Is that the kind of shirt it is? Uh, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm talking vintage? about, don't you? Yeah, you know, they do the vintage-looking ones, whatever. So have you guys gotten, you, you've done the snack purchases, everything's I, purchased already? Between he will. you and I, I hope Rick is not listening, I bought the Mountain Dew and I bought the combos. I bought it four days ago. <laughs> I've okay. been so excited. Well, it's Boy, not like, you a, it's ready. like a, it's going to go stale or anything. <laughs> no, You're all right. It's not. Mountain Dew sitting in my car, just feeling that <laughs> nicest cold chill to it. Standard Mountain Dew, or did you go like Code Red or one of the 19 I, I, different flavors? I was a little rattled, full transparency, you know, thinking what will Rake like. I went with just traditional. Okay. You think that was a smart choice? Yeah, it's the old classic. I didn't want to get too crazy. Yeah, I mean, I we can't be pulling over and, you know, Lisa's Pie Shop at Tipton <laughs> or the Wilson's Cheese Market or wherever. So what time are you guys departing today? We are departing this afternoon. It's an early tip. We are departing later this afternoon. Rake says that there could be some behind-the-scenes visits mm-hmm. in South Bend. Uh, so it's a yeah, 6 o'clock tip. There'll probably be 17 people in the building, and Rake and I will be two of them. And you are driving or he is driving? He has said that he will man yeah. the wheel. Have you thought, I will pay for gas. Have you thought about the GoPro idea where you guys just live stream your drive? It has crossed my mind. Okay. Some listeners would like to yeah, see that. Yeah, let's go get a, a, a GoPro now or it's something like head. that. I'm yeah. so excited. Christmas has come early to I, Kevin I just, Bowen with this. Yeah, you are excited. I can't believe. You know, it's funny because I was looking. Here's, what, here's how I remembered. I'm looking at Georgetown, and they just... Play Notre Dame. I know. And that got my memory. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. When is that game? I bet it's tonight. I remember last week we talked about it. I bring it up. Boom. Six o'clock ACC Network, the Citadel and Notre Dame. My cheeks hurt. I've been smiling. You are smiling. Guys, if you're not in the YouTube chat right now, he is smiling. I guess. Birth of Max, Rosie, and Mary (laughs) and Maddie all in one right here. I guess my only worry would be, you know, Rake Straw is. He's teasing you with this behind the scenes I know people stuff. I kind of feel like he's got to he's got to produce tonight, doesn't oh, he? I mean, just he, a little bit. I mean, come on now. The man's born ready. Of course <laughs> he's, he's going to produce. Yeah. Are you doubting Greg Rakes I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying he needs to at this point. I'm just expecting like a behind the scenes and like Bonzi Colson's in the back and Kevin like soils <laughs> his pants or something. I mean, Andy, let's be honest. VIP oh. treatment at a Notre Dame basketball game. Can't say there's a whole no. lot of people looking forward to that. No, they'll be they'll be thrilled. Wait a minute, you're thrilled. I Let's go. I just got to make sure that right before, you know I shake hands of people. Just 
wipe the hand on the jacket before I sure. you know, don't want to get too sweaty sure. there with the hands. Should we give away the Butler four-pack? Yeah, let's do it. You we got talk a question? Notre Dame and Citadel for any longer. We'll lose every listener out there. <laughs> uh, all right, Butler four-pack tonight. It's a 6.30 tip. Mark Dyked in. Name and email. We'll take this offline. Uh, Butler's leading scorer this year is who and what school did he transfer from? Ooh, you should. People should know this. Come on, we've mentioned this a few times. Both. It's a four pack. Come on, now we can't just half ass this effort. Their leading score and the school that he transferred from. A lot of transfers for Thad Mata's bunch. They overhauled it. Again, mentioned this earlier, Andy. Fourteen Big East losses for Butler last year. Twelve by double digits. Eight by at least twenty. I just looked while we were talking. The last updated bracket, the Joey brackets did. KB was this morning at 8.45, so literally 30 minutes ago. I didn't know it was this fresh of a bracketology report here. He's got Butler in the first four out right now. Okay. And I don't mean that as a negative. I no, mean, this no, is no, a no. completely new team, and people probably haven't seen a ton uh, uh, you know, with them. The other first four out that they're next to... Michigan State, who, by the way, Gosh. beat Baylor over the they weekend. Were probably a jarring. one seed oh, then, in Lenardi's no preseason bracket. There's no doubt they were a one seed. Your one seed's Purdue, Kansas, UConn, Arizona. I don't think anything crazy there. Now, I, I know it's bracketology in December. Envision Indiana's nowhere on the you know next no, no. four, next four, next uh, four. They they are not. No, no. they're no, they're nowhere to be seen uh, whatsoever. You know, one thing, on to, uh, one thing to point out about Purdue, because we fall into this trap with Purdue so often right now, of, you know, blah, blah, blah. The only thing that matters is March. I think that's such a tired take. What I think stands out to me is Purdue's got four top 12 wins this season on neutral floor. The three in Maui, and then obviously Arizona on Saturday. And when you think about it, Andy, each of those four wins... Very different mm-hmm. styles in the teams they played and how they went about those wins. If you think back to that first game in Maui, and that was a really poor shooting night for Fletcher Lawyer against Gonzaga. Last year, a Purdue team that got a poor night from Lawyer, they played with fire, and they probably lost the game, one of the few losses they had. Uh, then the second night, they play Tennessee. What does Rick Barnes in Tennessee want to do? They want to rock fight the hell out of you, and they did that. Edie's in foul trouble. Again, the rare kind of Edie foul trouble game. Lawyer responds. You win. You play Marquette in the title game. It's a shootout. It's kind of a run-and-gun feel to it. You're able to do that. Saturday was kind of a shootout, but it was also Arizona saying, all right, we're going to limit Edie's points. Right. Make Others beat us, and what does Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith do? They say okay. They combine yeah. for nine threes well, and almost sixty it, it, points, and EDS five assists. It's also it's also KB. You get the lead double digits, nearly give up the lead, right. regroup, and take them out a second time. You know when you win six in a row in March, it is such a different style in trying to win those six games. Some are ugly, some look beautiful, your stars play well, your stars don't show up. I, mean, I think back to these Butler runs all the time and I think, you know, one of the Elite Eight games that they that they won against Florida, all of a sudden Brad Stevens looks at Krishan Hopkins, <laughs> who had barely played for Butler, and says we need a spark, we're down a few to Florida, uh, give us something, and boom he comes off the bench, gives him a flurry there you go. Like, it's not just the smooth sailing of, oh boy, E He's going to be 30 and 12, and you're going to win six in a row. So I think that is something that if you're a Purdue fan, you're encouraged about entering the bulk of your Big Ten play in that you've won these four games, but you've done it in different ways. And last year, some of these ways I don't think would have happened. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Like, I view Purdue as a better team 
than than last year specifically. And I know everyone says, wake me up in March, and that's fine. I'll give you a stat as well. Uh, because- Was that a Green Day song? Say, say that again. What did, what did I say? Wake Let's me rewind. up in March. Uh, wake Somewhat. me up when when November ends. September. Okay, November. Is it September. Is it September? Yeah. November. Okay. Is that Mike Posner? I thought <laughs> at one point there. Shout out to Jim, by the way. He won the ticket. Jim, did you? Uh, right, Jim, did you text congratulations. Me, I did. All right. Let me fire this off. Go Jim, ahead Jim, no, Jim, get out there, man. Have a good time. It's six thirty tonight. You Fad get off wasn't work. Rocking. No, you get off work. What? What's the bar that's right there on Hinkle that that he needs to oh, go Chatham to? Chatham Tap is right Done. there. Yeah, it's right Chatham there. Chatham Tap is a great, great spot. Get a little chicken tender. Get those that. wings. Now you be uh, have care you of. been to a game in Hinkle? I have been, not this year, but I have been. I've been to more high school games than Butler games. Really? Yeah, because they used to play a but uh, like semi state games and stuff like that. Actually, oh, now yeah. that you say that, I remember watching. Uh, do you remember Chris Lofton? Oh, of course I remember Chris Lofton. Went yeah, to Tennessee, uh, became one of their great players. Didn't go to didn't go to uh, Tubby Smith, I believe, at Kentucky. I want to say like Indy used to do this high school thing at Hinkle. It was like the Circle City Classic. Oh, yeah. Circle City Classic shootout, something along those lines. And yeah, I watched Chris Lofton against, I want to say it was Odin. I want to say it was Odin. Probably. So Thad Mata was probably there and bringing it full circle. He probably absolutely was doing it. Here's my stat anyway. I beat up Indiana for not having bench points. It can be overrated. Purdue had four against Arizona. Well, We haven't talked about it, you know, (laughs) because everyone else plays so well. Yeah. Lawyer goes for what, 27, Braden Smith, 26, ED, 22. So I get nothing for Purdue until Thursday. They are back atop the college basketball rankings at number one, I think well-deserved when you compare their resume with Kansas. Uh, and then for Indiana Butler tonight, it is 6.30. A pop quiz coming up in a few. 317-239-1070. Hoping to touch base with Michael Grady before we round things out. Uh, let's head to a morning check down. Yeah, not a great night last night for the Pacers in Cambridge. 151-127, your final there. Rick Carlisle post-game suggesting a lot of things. Lineup changes, style changes, and everything after that disappointing loss. We got a huge target on our back because of, you know, winning some games in the in the tournament. So, you know, the Pacers aren't sneaking up on anybody. But our, our mindset, if it's shifted to just, to just simply trying to outscore teams and, and away from any kind of emphasis defensively you know that's that's got to stop and if it means massive lineup changes then that's what that's what'll happen if it means playing a slowdown game that's what'll happen at some point there there aren't any excuses Tyrese Halliburton just eight points didn't score to almost halftime just so surprising his turnovers the last three four games have been up as well here's Halliburton post game on those struggles yeah teams are doing some different stuff that's the awesome part about the NBA is the chess match that it is off, uh, you know, running an offense and um, just in the middle of figuring it out right now. And I will over time, but yeah, I've just been playing really poor. I mean, a lot of we've played good defenses, but I think a lot of it is on me just getting to my spots, and being who I am at the end of the day. So I just got to be better. Again, coming up for the Pacers, it's a back-to-back Wednesday and Thursday. Charlotte at Memphis. That will be in all likelihood John ja Morant's first home game of the season, uh, so a very important back-to-back coming up for Indiana. Uh, Rick said with us earlier, Andy, I want to make sure I got the wording right, he was kind of hoping that Andrew Nemhart mm-hmm. and or Jalen Smith would practice today, Yeah, uh, so you could get them back, it appears, somewhat soon on that end. So now 13-12 and 12 on the year, four straight losses, all of them pretty <laughs>
blowout defeat by the Pacers. All right, Monday Night Football last night. How about Drew Locke? Little Drew Locke magic. Young Jeezy fans everywhere celebrating. 92-yard touchdown drive there late in the game. Beautiful ball to Jackson Smith and Jigba on a third and 10 to win it. And so now the Eagles, with that loss, they are out of the home divisional game to open things up. Uh, It will be the Cowboys atop the NFC East entering the final three weeks of the season. Uh, And for Seattle, they're very much in the thick of a wild card race here. Uh, Certainly uh, quite the ending last night after a pretty chaotic, like, hey, is it going to be Geno Smith or Drew Locke? It went right up until kickoff. They went with Drew Locke with Geno Smith a little banged up. And uh, he delivered for him. I'm surprised Jalen Hurts. He just hasn't had. I know I said in the seven o'clock hour. He just has. He just hasn't had the year. So he flew separate to Seattle last night. Due he to his did. Illness? Yeah, that I mean, sounds he, miserable. He flew or something. He's quarantined. What flying? What That's being a, sick in the air? Was or? that a five and a half hour flight by yourself? I don't know. I think the majority of people would say that sounds fantastic. <laughs> I think you're in the minority what? here, KB. You don't want to play some card games with your teammates or anything? Uh, yeah, yeah. He can just you know relax. You know, is it private jet? He's not on a on a big airliner, right? He's yeah, private jet. He's flying Spirit out there <laughs> to uh, to Seattle. Uh, Colts wise, again, nothing today. Tomorrow they'll have a walk through. Thursday practice. It sounded like some optimism with Zach Moss. Uh, with that arm, sh- I think Schefter said shoulder injury yesterday, uh, which is not the original diagn- diagnosis, but uh, n- nonetheless, sounds somewhat optimistic for Zach Moss and potentially Jonathan Taylor. Again, tomorrow will be three weeks post-surgery with that right thumb, uh, so we'll obviously check the availability on that. And Michael Pittman Jr., Shane Sykin continues to say he's in good spirits. We'll see if that Boy, uh, matters coming up. Later this week. Be, can you even imagine the Colts playing with all these guys, having Pittman and Taylor and Moss? I mean, I, I say that not as a joke, just because when one guy's come back, the other one's been injured, right? Yeah, it's been a probably, revolving door. Probably what three or four games that they've had them all together. Yeah, does that sound right? I'm trying to think of what those games would be, like Browns, Saints. Panthers, Patriots? Probably, so yeah. Something around yeah, there. Th- those would be the ones, for sure. Uh, Colts, a slight favorite, two-point favorite in that one. And for those that missed it, the Falcons are benching Desmond Ritter for a second time this season. I would assume that that means the end of the Desmond Ritter era. In Atlanta, it will be Taylor Heineke. If you are a fan of the Colts, you rather see Heineke, you rather see Ritter. Uh, I would rather see Ritter. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I feel pretty confidently saying that. I don't know. Heineke, and that is because Ritter's bad, or yeah. you think Heineke can find think, lightning I, in a bottle? I think Heineke can f- find lightning in a bottle, and if you said, hey, who can complete a pass down the field to Drake London? I would say Heineke has a higher rate than Desmond Ritter. Think about uh, the it, bar you just said. It is set. what it is. It's a crap sandwich. <laughs> opposing quarterback. I, I actually I was, like Taylor Heineke. I think he's decent. I was thinking about this yesterday. The Colts are going to reach the end of the year, and Gardner Minshew is going to be the more experienced, accomplished quarterback in every single game they've played in November, December, or January besides Baker Mayfield and Tampa. Yeah. I, I think about that. Yeah. The more experience, well, car in New Orleans. Cop, I guess yeah, what, he would be what, the only one. Wasn't that in October? Yeah, if you it go was. November, December, January, yeah. Bryce and right Young, now, Mac Jones, so Baker, far, you're five and one in those games. I mean, you've won five of six, and you're favored on Sunday. You're going to be favored against the Raiders. Yep, I would assume you're a slight favorite against the Texans. It's just it's crazy how the schedule's unfolded. From that standpoint. All right, pop quiz next, 317 239 and hoping to touch base with Michael Grady here to round out the. 
All right, pop quiz time. Uh, first one of the week, KB. Last week saw, what, two I, winners? I would say easily the best week in the history of the pop quiz. Scotty, kind of a look in the mirror moment yeah, for him. Yeah, and he does have a question, uh, 1915. So he is a judge. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, he is Rick Carlisle. He is Tyrese Halliburton. He is readjusted. I don't know. I'm looking down. I mean, there's a there's a couple on here. I think you can get a couple. So uh, we shall see. Do you want to pick our caller? Where do we want to go, KB? You lead the way here. Who do you want to go to? I had a buddy of mine text me about Citadel basketball, saying that they're bad. Notre Dame. Should, what, what does he know about Citadel? Yeah, but Notre Dame's bad, too. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, caller, let's go with Notre Dame's bad. I think they have five wins. Maybe five. Uh, let's go with five. Jeremy. I don't like your buddy hating on your game that you're going I know, to. I, I just know, thought I'm you a have a good time. No. Come on. Just have it's a good time. time. You got to bust chops. I'll be honest yeah, with Rick. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Doing extremely well. And yourself? Do, doing great. Uh, Jeremy, are you, um, are you a celebrator of Christmas? Uh, not really. I do like to put up ornaments and uh, have a good time. It, I just want to say real quick, if you don't mind, I love the energy of the show. You guys just put it together, and whenever I get the chance to have a day off, it's listening to you in the morning. Oh. Well, thank you. Well, that's a very Jeremy, nice thing. I appreciate that. Yeah, checks in the mail. Thank you. Yeah, Jeremy, Whoa, are you? I a, hope so. Do, do you have sports <laughs> ornaments on the tree by chance? I, I I have a I had a lot of sports ornaments on on my tree growing up. Okay, so we don't have a tree. We just have a lot of. Uh, my grandpa did uh, woodworking and created elves on a on a ladder and uh, created this beautiful thing that we have. So that's funny. Her conversation tree, between but, Jeremy and you know, Gardner Minshew, like they're yeah. long lost brothers. I like here. that, Jeremy. I love that. Congrats on the elves and the ladders, and that's a great talent uh, for your grandfather, Andy Swinney. You want to throw number one? Yeah, at, I'm, I'm uh, loving the vibe here. Jeremy? I'm loving the vibe. Uh-huh. All right, let's go, Jeremy. Four twenty vibe. Yeah, here question on number one. He's smoking some mistletoe. I think F- four NFL teams have clinched playoff berths with the San Francisco 49ers wrapping up the NFC West title with three games remaining. Which of the following teams has not clinched a spot in the postseason? They have not clinched the spot in the postseason. Cowboys, Eagles, Lions, Ravens. Can you repeat that real quick? I apologize. Yeah, which of the following teams has not clinched a spot in the postseason? Cowboys, Eagles, Lions, Ravens. Ravens. All right, number two here, Jeremy. The Seahawks beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football when Drew Locke hit Jackson Smith and Jigba for a TD, 28 seconds to go. It's the second time this season that Smith and Jigba had a game-winning TD catch in the final minute, did it to Cleveland back in Week 8. Who was the last rookie to have two game-winning TD catches in the final minute of the fourth quarter in that season? Would it have been... Smith and Jigba is the first. Jerry Rice, Andy Moss, Randy Moss, Andy Moss, Randy Moss, <laughs> or Bucky Pope? 
I'm going to go Randy Moss since you messed that up a little. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, that uh, I apologize for messing you up. That's not the correct answer. Uh, would okay. you like to guess well, anything else? You win, you lose, you get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Jeremy's first radio. Oh, radio it's not. There. All right, question number three. Or do you want Jeremy to try again? Let him pick something right, else. Try again, Jeremy, Jeremy. Smith and Jigba's the first. <laughs> Jerry Rice or Bucky Pope? Jerry Rice. I just, I just love the Bucky Pope reference out of nowhere. I don't Bucky know why I just Pope. love that you one. Where did that come from? Yeah, I, I, Scotty again. You know, it's been a look in the mirror moment for him. It has. All right, okay. qu- question number three. On Sunday, Steph Curry's NBA record streak of 268 consecutive ga- consecutive games hitting at least one three-pointer. It came to an end. That's unbelievable. Who currently owns the longest active streak for Ooh. consecutive games hitting a three? Is it Mike Conley, Cameron Johnson, Damian Lillard, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I'm going to go Connolly because it's local. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. Speaking of local, Michael Grady hoping to join us here in a few. Uh, Grady would certainly love where this is going here. All right. Five years ago today, Jeremy, on December 19th, 2018, the Rockets set an NBA record by hitting 26 threes in a win over the Wizards. Since then, 26 teams, or excuse me, 26 threes in a game by one NBA team has been equaled or surpassed 19 times. Who currently holds the NBA record with 29 made three-pointers in a game? The Rockets, the Bucks, the Jazz, or the Warriors? I'll go with the Warriors. You sure? Uh, Rockets. You sure? Um, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> but there you go. All right, last one. Happy 141st birthday to Ralph De Palma, winner of the 1915 Indianapolis. 500. De Palma could have been a two-time 500 winner had his car not broken down late in the 1912 race. He still holds the record for most laps led in an Indy 500 without winning the race. How many laps did De Palma lead in 1912? Good luck. Did he win 198, 196, 195, or 192? 198. There we go. Jeremy, hell of an effort here on today's pop quiz. Uh, did Unless I missed something, did we go over? I believe we went over. I, yeah. I guess I handheld. Say, yeah. do it again, Stay off the <laughs> weed. Little handholding on number four, right? For the Bucks. I guess that was maybe the one that he got correct. Uh, number one, uh, which of the following teams has not clinched a spot in the postseason? The Fighting Dan Campbells. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was the first to do two TDs Mm. in the final minute in a rookie season. He said Mike Conley for the longest active streak for consecutive games, hitting a three, Damian Lillard. And it's not close, by the way. Lillard's at 102 games. Conley just 34. Cam Johnson ended on Saturday, right? When he had the 0 for? Wow. Uh, the Bucks, they were, that's the one that Jeremy got right there. Hell of a morning sounded like so far for Jeremy. Uh, 29 made threes in a game, and Ralph De Palma there, Andy. <laughs> he led 196 laps in the 1912 running of the Indianapolis 500. So listen, he basically went 1 for 4 or, or 0 for 5, but he gave us good content. 
He said nice things about us and to us. Uh, and that's all that matters, right? Yeah, he had a Gardner Minshew vibe, and he answered he answered quickly, right? Except for the one question, he's like, "Boom, I'll take a." It's like that's great. He didn't know if he he didn't know it. He didn't have to know it. He didn't know how, you know De Palma how many laps he led in nineteen twelve, but he made a very quick, concise answer, and we appreciate it. The man who came up with <laughs> the pop quiz that would be one Michael Grady. We're gonna effort him, try to get him on here to round things out. It is the wake up call with KB and Andy. Was just going to let this play a little bit. For people that don't know, the inside joke is Michael Grady, who's joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, apparently hates this song. Right. Uh, uh-huh. So we welcome Michael in. Uh, Michael, I don't know you, but this was a Mark Dykton and Kevin Bowen thing. Uh, Andy Sweeney had nothing to do with this. Hey, I just want to talk Johnson. some basketball, you know. Well, this is um, this is a terrible introduction, Andy. Um, <laughs> nice to meet, to meet you. you. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah. The pleasure is all the yours. Same. <laughs> Bad enough that you know, MG's joining us. What, what was it? A flight from Miami to Philly last night? Uh, man, yeah, that'd be the wee Oof. hours of the morning. Uh, no, no, actually, um, I am walking down uh, Miami Beach right now. Oh, we, so you guys uh, we're fly actually today. leaving. Yeah, this is one of those cities where do you really want to leave overnight? And go to <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, no, you know, we'll just leave in the afternoon. So, so that's how that worked out. You gotta <laughs> love that. Well, hopefully the Miami flu is not going to be too abundant for the T Wolves <laughs> as they are playing pretty darn good basketball right now. If you don't mind, I want to go back to Saturday night. MG, always great to hear your voice. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Obviously, no Tyrese Halliburton. So, you know, the Pacers one hand tied behind their back. You know, kind of a rough travel night. Uh, but I guess what was your first observation of a Pacers team, granted, without their best player? You know, two hands uh, tied behind their back. Uh, ty- having no Tyrese Halliburton um, is a big blow. And then going from the airport straight to Target Center to play the game is another hand tied behind your back. And so given those circumstances, um, I-, I, thought they- I thought they fought hard. Um, we gave them a lot of <clears throat> credit in the broadcast for the way they competed, the way that they battled, the way that they still kept the pace. Uh, you know, we knew going in um, from a broadcast standpoint not to take Indiana lightly because of what they did here in Miami not long ago, putting up 144 points without Tyrese Halliburton. So uh, we knew that it, it wouldn't be an easy game, and we were really curious to see how they would compete in battle, and I was impressed. So they've got a lot of uh, guys over there who, can, who have a um, high-quality competitive energy, just not enough on the defensive side of the ball, um, even with, of course, Tyrese Halliburton out there. Uh, just not enough competitive energy on the defensive side of the ball uh, to to squeeze out some games. I've been really surprised by the high-scoring affairs that the Pacers have been in this season. Yeah, it's a young team, Michael. I think, uh, you know, water's coming back to level. People are now a little target on the back, and that's why, you know, you drop a couple games, and now they're 13 and 12. Uh, Minnesota already 20 wins on the year, just 42 last year. Why are they this much better than last year, in your estimation? You know, learning from learning from past mistakes. Uh, last season, the Timberwolves didn't beat the teams that on paper they were supposed to beat. Um, last season, they were getting adjusted to playing with Rudy Gobert after making that big trade in the offseason. And then, of course, Carl Anthony Towns only was able to play around 29 games a season ago because he had a bad calf injury. So all of those things combined together led to a, a, a really you know poor season a year ago. But they battled at the end of the year, really gave, even though they lost to the eventual champion Nuggets in five games, every last one of those games were close. 
Um, the Nuggets gave a lot of credit to the Timberwolves in terms of the way that they battled in that series. And that just, again, just gave them fuel. They didn't have two of their best players in that playoff series. And so it just added fuel to the offseason. They had six guys competing in the FIBA World Cup. So they entered training camp already in shape, locked in, ready to go. They had a great training camp, and it's really carried over to the start of the regular season where they have beaten all of the teams they are supposed to beat. And that's really the difference. Um, you know, you're going you're gonna to win some and lose some against some of the top-tier teams, but if you beat the bad teams, um, you're going to give yourselves a chance to have a really high seed. That and the defense has been otherworldly this season for Minnesota. You obviously know the voice. He is Michael Grady, currently the voice of the Timberwolves, Indy Zone. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Uh, MG, honestly, one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on, certainly Pacers T-Wolves, but, I mean, come on. When Lance Stevenson signs a 10-day contract and Mm. giving it one more run, we had to get you on. (laughs) You know, it's it's, – is Lance in his early 30s? Is he like 31, 32, something like that? I think we looked it up, 33, um, yeah, I right? Yeah, I think he's 33 years he's 30, old, yeah. He's 33, yeah. 33 years old. Um, it's it's kind of surreal because we knew Lance when he was a pup. Um, we rode all the highs and lows of the Lance Stevenson experience. And it's, I mean, it seems like those battles with Miami and blowing in the ear and all that was years and years and years ago. And so um, I I love the fact that he still wants to compete, that he wants to get back into the NBA and give it one final go and have a push. And the fact that, you know, our paths, myself and Lance, could potentially cross once again um, is is pretty wild. Uh, You know, we still talk fondly about those years, um, you know, with other folks and, uh, especially here around Miami, they still talk about those Indiana battles, and we talk about Lance and George Hill. And I just had a conversation yesterday about those those playoff series and the blowing in the ear, and and um, the fact that I wish that other guys on that Pacers team had the same competitive energy uh, as uh, as Lance Stevenson. There were some guys on the roster more talented, but didn't really have that fire that we saw from from Lance Stevenson so uh so no we'll see how it plays out he's playing with the Iowa Wolves the team in Iowa is playing good basketball um as of late they got they have some talent on that roster and of course it would take some injuries for Lance to get called up which of course you never want injuries but if that were to happen man it would be great to see him in Minneapolis you know we are trying to effort to get Lance Stevenson on the show Grady because uh, I don't know if you saw this he is starring in a Netflix film coming up have you seen this no, no, I saw he was in <laughs> he was in one before with my with my guy Michael Ely and who else? Um uh I forget the girl from Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. I know he he made an appearance in that one. Yeah. But now he's got another movie? So this is a lead role. Lance Stevenson oh, a lead role. in a lead role and I wanna make Whoa. sure I've got a little bit yeah. of the of the plot right. Something to the effect of like NBA player that's dealing with a lot off the court. And I don't really know. Lance shared some of this with Scott Agnes a couple weeks ago. I don't know too many details besides that, but I have a feeling there'll be a watch party at the Grady household whenever this comes out. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I'm really. I'm really impressed. I, I thought maybe we'd be going to be movie, but no. Netflix is. Netflix is hella impressive. So no, absolutely. I will be. I will be watching and um, really. Uh, you know, I judge actors harshly. So <laughs> we'll know. see how. 
we'll see how Lance Stevenson uh, does in this role. But no, you got me excited. See, yeah, I, I like your organic excitement there when it's not just a cameo, Michael. He's the no. lead guy. Okay. Lead. Yeah, yeah, he's the lead role. He's uh-huh. the Denzel. That's he's the front the... center on the IMDb page for Lance Stevenson. <laughs> That's fantastic. Right there. Michael Grady with us here, Payless Liquors Hotline. <laughs> I, I mean, you travel around the NBA, and obviously Minnesota's one of those teams at 20 and 5. Uh, who else in the NBA thus far have you been impressed by that you've been able to see up close? Uh, you know, Boston for sure. They they have the same record as Minnesota, top in the league at 20 and 5. And I just felt that once they picked up Drew Holiday, that they were going to be a problem. Um, Pre-Drew Holiday, just adding Chris Stapps Porzingis, I knew they were good. Um, but Drew Holiday has that championship pedigree. He's he's such a a a strong defender, a crafty defender, and he just kind of stirs the drink, if you will. And so you add Drew Holiday with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and then Porzingis. Their bench is a little questionable, but that starting five is is stout. Um, Milwaukee, I'm not as sold on because they don't play enough defense and they cry when they don't get game balls. Um, <laughs> on the west, on the Western Conference, I, I really you have to give the Clippers. Um, you have to start paying attention to the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, they were a joke early on when they acquired James Harden and it looked like they couldn't win a game. And then all of a sudden, as, of course, the Pacers saw last night, you know, James Harden gets cooking. Kawhi Leonard is comfortable. You know, they, they, they have a lot of talent and, and depth on that team to where you're going to have to start to take them seriously, at least during the regular season. I don't believe in a James Harden team in the playoffs nor yeah, a Clippers agreed. team in terms of staying healthy. But um, but they've been impressive, and so off the top of my head, those are the ones that really stand out. Then it's just like a hodgepodge, you know. You got the the, the Lakers can beat anybody, but they can lose to anybody. Denver has stumbled early in this season. I don't really believe in in um, in Dallas, although they can compete with just about anybody. So uh, it's a there's a lot of parity in the NBA this season, and some people like to see your super teams or whatnot. I'm not one of those guys. I like to see competitive balance. I, I think that made the in-season tournament a lot of fun, and uh, congratulations to the Pacers on that run. But uh, I think it's going to make, make for a hell of a rest of the regular season into the playoffs. Great. I think it's March. You guys come here for your lone appearance. Have you been back to Indy at all anytime soon? Uh, I came through a couple of times in the summer. And then, uh, of course, I'll be there for um, uh, All Star oh, weekend. Nice. So uh, let me know. Let me know what parties you guys are getting into. Sure, and, of course, um, and uh, just make sure you got extra extra ticket or two for your boy. <laughs> but I'll be um, no, I'll be I'll definitely be sliding through All Star, and then uh, and then I think I have maybe three or four days off when we come to Indian March. Nice, I love that. Love that. Well, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you and the fam. Always great hearing your voice, man. Congrats on the nice start to the season, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in the new year. Uh, hey, happy holidays to you guys. And um, Andy, don't let KB be a bad influence on you. No yeah. more Return of the Mac. Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on, Good now. I had to go there with Michael Grady. <laughs> Thanks, Appreciate Grady. You guys. That is the great Michael Grady live from Miami right now. That's pretty nice. You've got Philly tomorrow night, and you say, you know what? Let's win in Miami, and we'll spend the night. It is a great point thinking about it. You know, 
last night we were texting. You're like, you know, he'll be taking a flight tonight. I mean, to I thought Philly. he'd be into no, Philly like three. That's a long flight. It is, but now it makes a little bit more sense right. that you would just spend the night and then you can get uh, on a plane. I, you know, I looked it up. It's only like 60 degrees in Miami right now. It's only 62 degrees. Uh, have you been outside degrees. today, Andy? You uh, would it, take 60 in a heartbeat. It was funny yesterday because we're we're in, a, we're in more of a radio bunker on level four, and we were in level six where we could see you know Monument Circle. When I left yesterday, it had just got done raining, and I was like, we had no idea that it was raining I yesterday. Know, I know because usually you'll you'll do a little update, you know, be careful out there. It's a sure. slick road, whatever bad. it I may gave be. No updates. And I had no idea. I got my car. I'm like, ah, it must have rained during the show. Had absolutely no there were idea. Some snow flurries when I was walking to my uh, car. Uh, so, after the so, show, you guys so want me to barge into Tony Katz's studio <laughs> sure, at some point? Just I just check in the weather real I quick. Know, I just need a view so, outside the window. So the baby had a uh, uh, little Mason had a little gas had a, had a doctor's appointment, and you know there was like the ten minute where it you know it snowed pretty hard. It wasn't yeah, going to uh-huh. stick, but it right. was it was snowing and it was you know there was no visibility. The, that's the ten minutes I had to drive him, take him out of the oh, uh, out of the car and into, and into the facility was just those ten minutes. I get in, we you know we go see the doctor. Sun comes out every single time. You know, yesterday getting Rosie from daycare, I'd successfully turned into a game. How quick can we get in the car? How quick can we get our seatbelt on? And luckily, she abided. It was one of the few times the competitive spirit in her has been on display. Uh, You're like Jim Harbaugh around <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, uh-huh. You're recording times on everything. One one thousand uh, percent. Shout out here to one of our favorites, Matt Doty. Uh, he wants a birthday shout out for his son. How about this, Mark Dykton? His son's name is Wrigley. Love it. <laughs> Named after Wrigley Field. 12th birthday. Happy birthday to Wrigley out there. Future post player, I would well, guess, they, in Wayne Township. Maybe the Cubs can sign like Cody Bellinger or something today for his birthday. Look at that. Have, they signed, have they signed anybody? No. Now, now, they spend zero dollars. Zero dollars. Mark, uh, fill our audience in for those <laughs> that have missed the story. Addison is named after... Uh, because Addy the, is yes named uh, after Addison. Ad, uh, Clark and Addison is the the cross street by Wrigley Field, and my right. wife and I had a bet in the 2016 postseason. She said she would take the Indians to win the World Series, and if that was the case, her name would be Harper. And if the Cubs hmm. won, it would have been Addison. Obviously, I won that bet. I said any of the other like hundred something years, you would have been correct. You were not correct on this one. <laughs> she did go with the odds. She and did. the one year lost it. We stuck the middle. <laughs> the middle name is Harper, so it's Addison oh, Harper. Okay. So she still got the the middle name, but she's Addison. And I always remind her every time the Cubs are on, I'm like you're named after them. She's like, I am. So <laughs> like, yeah, there you go. I like that. I did see a stat yesterday. Talk about useless stat. Uh, uh, this week in the NFL, we had 32 different first names of starting quarterbacks. We had 31 different last names. Uh, can you guys think of the only last name that had two starting quarterbacks last week? Oh, that's such a great question. That's going to make me so mad. Scotty, do most, you know? It's probably the most Jake I'm looking at Scotty right now. It really is. So again, 32 oh, different first names of starting okay, so, quarterbacks. So there's not a... Uh, we had one last name that was the same for two of them. Okay, so I'm going to... This is going to uh, be maybe bad radio. Yeah. Josh Allen, no. There's not another Allen, right? I think Scotty uh, got it. Scotty got it? Oh, did I he already so. get it? Did he whisper it in your he ear? He said Wilson. Russell Wilson, Zach Wilson. Oh, that's got to be it. Russell and Zach Wilson boy, there. Boy. Scotty, of course. Of course. Were you going to go team by team on us there? I was going to start in the AFC East, so the fourth team would have been the Jets. And uh, so I think by the fourth team, we would have figured out Zach Wilson. You know, we never mentioned yesterday, 
Zach Wilson, remember the reports from Diana Russini where he's like, he doesn't know if he wants to start because he may get injured, and then he started, and then he got injured? Right, yeah. The whole Jets drama is just incredible. So is today the final? He was worried about it. Is today the final day for Rodgers? I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, is it today? It's Wednesday, yeah. It's tomorrow. The twenty-one so day window. They will bring close. him onto the fifty-three roster, or he stays an injured reserve Correct. for the rest of the year. I love how they tried to float the story that he was playing defensive back in uh, in practice. Like the most unbelievable thing in the world is he was playing. Yeah, defensive back. Like literally, those guys are the best athletes on the field every so, time. So exhausting. There. Uh, nice show with Rick Carlisle, Fad Mono, Michael Grady. It's yeah, a nice little that? trio for the little best of action. Uh, any concern tonight over Indiana? Moorhead State shoots a lot. Shoots a lot of threes. Yeah, yeah, I have. Oh, concern. you are. Oh, wow. I, I mean, I don't think they'll lose. But if you told me it was a seventy-five seventy game oh, with two geez. and a half minutes to go, I wouldn't be surprised. Would you? I mean, the spread's like twelve and a half. I guess I'll take Moorhead State, knowing nothing about him. Like I, I know Purdue won by thirty, but transfer from Xavier. Yeah. Safe yeah. travels today, Kev, with you and Ray. Yeah, have a good I, time, man. I cannot man. wait. I cannot have wait. Have a good time. Combos Mountain Dew. My cheeks hurt from smiling as much as I have. I have to take Citadel plus the number. I have to what look that hell? up here. Notre Dame and Citadel at 6 o'clock. Again, Butler Georgetown, 630. Indiana Morehead State at 630. We'll keep you covered. Pacers back in action tomorrow night. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Wake up call. Signing off.